0: Hey everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou is in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for Happy Hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 48.
1: How does that sound, 48?
0: It sounds so good. I actually, I can't believe that we are two away from the big 5-0. That's crazy. I
1: know, I got an exciting episode planned. I can't reveal it. Fine, it's an old dad celebrity episode. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm very excited about it.
0: How to you twist your arm there.
1: Yeah. But let's talk about this episode, Alex. Let's live in the present for once in our lives. I'm
0: down for that because I am really excited for tonight. We are talking to Sarah Reardon, who is the Vagina Whisperer, which sounds amazing. I thought you were going to chime in with something funny there. Vagina Whisperer? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I'm
1: pretty used to the name Vagina Whisperer just because... You know, I tend to organize the interviews, so it's kind of like the name Bare Naked Ladies or Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> or any name that might sound ridiculous. Not that this name does sound ridiculous. It's actually an amazing, perfect name for yeah. what she does.
0: Very pertinent.
1: Yeah, and, but the point is, I'm used to it.
0: Right, and Thera is an amazing resource. She's a pelvic floor physiotherapist and a speaker about the benefits of pelvic floor physiotherapy and about just why moms need and don't get enough care in the U.S. medically. She's fascinating and so knowledgeable. So we ask her some of the questions that I'm going through, and then we have a listener mailbag of questions that we also ask her.
1: Yeah, and I, normally we do the interviews, uh, we bank them for a little bit in advance, and then we release them later on. But I think right now we have a lot of women's ears who have recently given birth or are about to. So I figured this was a good time to release it as soon as possible. Definitely. And of course, you have just given birth to our (laughs) child.
0: Yeah, three weeks ago. So I was so happy to talk to her and uh, get a little free advice.
1: And then we have probably the coolest person in the world. (laughs)
0: The coolest person uh, to grace our podcast, that's for sure. We have Bree McDaniels, who is a photographer out of Oregon. And we had her on. I've been following her for a while on Instagram just because her photography is so gorgeous. And she is a mother. So she tries to feature images of empowered motherhood, as she calls it. And she truly does. You have to go check out her artwork.
1: Go to her account right now, actually, before the interview. Uh, You'll appreciate it a lot more, I think. Her account is Moon and Cheese with a Z. Or a Z if you're in the States, I guess.
0: A Z if you're Canadian. Z if you're in the States. Oh,
1: I don't know. I always just go with what's ever in the alphabet song. Y and Z. Z. I go with Z. Is that Canadian?
0: No, Z is American.
1: Okay, that's what I go with. Yeah, yeah. I don't know.
0: Please check her out and get an idea of where we're coming into this interview. But I wanted to talk to her about photography and about how to take amazing at-home photos, which she does And if you're daily. not a
1: techie, don't zone out because she makes it very accessible to people who mm-hmm. aren't technical at all. She doesn't use a DSLR camera. She uses an iPhone. She yeah. doesn't use an attachment. She uses natural light. Which
0: shocks me, by the way, that I she doesn't know. use a DSLR. And
1: things from around her home, like a coffee cup she can make scenes. Flower like pots. Anything like that. She can just make it seem very cool. But yeah, so we've got great guests today. We've got great guests coming up. Uh, so great get excited. Uh, we are taking two weeks off though.
0: Much needed, two weeks off. And we're we're pretty excited for it.
1: We are, but we're, we're not taking really the pod off because we will be doing a lot of pod interviews yes. during this time. It's just the pod won't be airing. We got to play catch up a little bit. We need a little bit of a...
0: We need a breather. A cushion. A baby breather, too, you know?
1: Well, I like to have a four-week guest cushion. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, Betty kind of ruined things for us and set us behind. But we will be up at your parents' beautiful cottage, so that's pretty exciting.
0: It's true. And to keep things in the present, we have an exciting cocktail tonight. Shane, I actually went to the extreme. So we are drinking... What, how would you say it? The Coconella? Coconella?
1: I'm not reading it. You have the book in front of you.
0: Well, I thought you could see. Upside so, down?
1: <laughs> I can barely read with the book in front of my face.
0: So this drink is called the Coconella. It is created by Dev Johnson, who works at Employees Only in New York City. And that is the 37th best bar in the world.
1: <laughs> We're giving call-outs <laughs> to drink creators now?
0: Yeah. Well, this is an exciting drink. And I may have fucked cheers. it up, but it looks exciting. Cheers. Anyway, cheers, Shane.
1: Oh, my oh, god, baby. This is the most delicious thing in the world. Holy crap. I didn't think
0: it was gonna taste this good. I thought I screwed it up too bad. This is amazing.
1: What am I eating right now? I'm like drinking, but I'm eating. Okay,
0: I'll tell you. So this is created uh, first and foremost with Seed Lips Spice 94, which is my favorite seed lip. It's on the more, you know, woody side. Okay, this is my favorite
1: drink we've had here.
0: Same. Then next we have coconut milk. So I opened up a can Mm. of Thai coconut milk.
1: Okay, that's the secret ingredient.
0: Then I went above and beyond today and did something I typically wouldn't do. I created a simple syrup and a honey syrup. Do you know how many times, like how many drinks I like, mocktails and cocktails alike that need a simple syrup in it? And I've always just found that too daunting. But I actually got up and did it today. It was so easy. So we have a honey syrup, a simple syrup, fresh lemon juice, and then just filled a glass up with ice. And I grated cinnamon on top for a garnish.
1: I think this is the most work you've probably ever done in the house in the last two years.
0: It very well could be. And... Worth it or no?
1: Definitely worth it. And I really do appreciate it, Alex. And I'm surprised because it seems like we weren't doing our shopping. So how did we have these ingredients around the house? It has to be just coincidental. because Right? You got no, lucky? No, 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 know.
0: I, I wanted to make this drink. I've been wanting to make it for a couple of weeks.
1: You're telling me you didn't just plan this today? No.
0: You no, no, swear no. to me? Yep. I had okay. the coconut milk and in our last order and we already had the cinnamon. But right. is this well, not amazing? Cheers. It's cheers, a, It's honey.
1: actually effing amazing. Yeah. But let's get into the episode because you know I'm uh quite fired up today. I've- Rightfully so. And uh yesterday actually and, and this is based off a recent Instagram post that Alex did that kind of made me feel like I guess underappreciated or undervalued or mm-hmm. a better way to put it is unrecognized. Right. And what your post was about first off you told me you were going to use a picture of me And and, and honestly, I got kind of excited because old Shaney boy doesn't really appear too much on uh, this family tree I try, but you know, I don't really get on there very often Point is I was was kind of excited and it was a little bit mysterious and I said am I gonna like this post? And you you looked at me and you go Yeah, but it wasn't a confident. Yeah, it was kind of like I hope you do, but I'm not sure So I'm like give her the benefit of the doubt Shane give her the benefit of the doubt. This could be a good thing walk away the post goes up immediately i'm worried it's a post of me wearing my bathing suit shorts my orange bathing suit shorts and by the way the day before i know i said you don't post me a lot but the day before you had done a main post of me in these bathing suit shorts and that post was fine two in a row though
0: in the shorts, me
1: making the shittiest looking face holding the baby Wearing the shortest shorts. My balls are basically showing. I have—I look like I have a prosthetic leg. My <laughs> legs look like something, if not prosthetic, something's really wrong with my legs. I'm like, okay, bad picture. Let's read the caption. Starts with, again, red flag. Oh, Shane is a great father, great <laughs> husband. I'm like, oh, here, where, where's the butt? However... I'm like however already usually there's even even in these laundry list switcheroos usually there's a better like big up off the top and it's like there's certain things your partner needs to know and mine is no different and it's like yeah give me some love and affection and and like well I'll pull it up here I'll read it because I want to I want to not be so uh, hyperbolic
0: I'm taking big swigs of this uh, non-alcoholic seed lip drink. And by the know. way, you've
1: edited this since because mm-hmm. you felt bad. So this well, is like the best version of this post, right? Okay. So, by the way, I, I put up a comment in it saying how bad I look in it, and it got like 23 likes. So I think the people agree that I do look terrible. I ter- just think, ter- terrible think in you're this. funny.
0: They I do? think it's a great picture. For the record, that's why I chose it.
1: Okay, Shane is a great dad and a great partner. Partner I can't even say husband. He's intuitive and often knows what he can do to help me out if I'm having a tough time. That that's the glowing part. However, postpartum is another beast. Mothers need a lot more help than usual to help them recover from birth, both emotionally and physical. Yada yada yada. Then it lists the things that I'm not doing right.
0: No, it doesn't. Read read what it says because it doesn't. Just you know I'm not a good get-
1: reader out loud. I get nervous. You you do it
0: okay because it doesn't just get into that so i listed three things below that i personally need to be known postpartum we talk about these things and it's no secret in my relationship that it's in these ways that i feel most affected by having a baby shane is amazing at meeting my needs yet 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 sometimes we need to talk about these things more often because i need them way more than anybody would know one my hormones are going wild and i'm emotional give me some grace and let let me emotionally lean on you right now.
1: The Coles notes here is I'm not giving her grace and I'm not letting her emotionally lean on me. Hit me with number two.
0: Okay. Should I rebut that right now? No. Or? Okay. Put number two. Put your butts two. in a sack. <laughs> my body is sore. Not only am I weak and in pain, but I have so I have to give so much of my body every day to nourish the new baby, which in turn leaves me even more depleted. This is Shane's favorite part coming up. Not only is rest helpful right now, but a massage couldn't hurt.
1: No, that's great, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm not massaging you enough. Okay, go, go again.
0: Three. I need to feel nurtured too. After caring for a dependent baby all day and night, my emotional bank account runs dry and it's hard to care for others around me, let alone myself. Whether it's taking the baby so that I can nap, shower, eat, or caring for me in a nurturing way, this helps fill up my emotional tanks so that I can survive another night of feeding, crying, and no sleep.
1: I do all that shit. Okay, that's the, this is actually the one that makes me the most upset. Okay, I just want to go through... Our day for everyone. And please, please do not interrupt me till the end. I <laughs> okay. I wake up at 6 a.m. Yeah. That, that's, just let me go through it. <laughs> please. You're going to want to interrupt me, but please don't. I wake up at 6 a.m. Not fully awake, but I know, like, I, I'm up throughout the night too. I'm hearing you breastfeed. I know it's a bad night for you. You have to wake up and feed the baby. And I don't do any of that. I'll admit it. I don't do shit for the nighttime. So you don't have a great sleep at night. But I wake up at 6 a.m. Then I know I, it's like my snooze. I'm like, you're going to start poking me soon. Then you poke me between 6.15 and 6.30. You give me the baby. The baby is asleep on my chest. I am wide awake. And my phone is usually dead at this time. (laughs) So I just sit there with my thoughts until about 8.30. Give it to you. Come downstairs, make you coffee, make you waffles. I cut your waffles. I put this coconut whipped cream. I melt this butter. I put it on. I come over to the couch and feed you. We also have a, a, my stepmom, a nanny here. When you come down, <laughs> when you come down, uh, she's with Lucy. Yes. And then we give Betty to Nona at that time, or, or put Betty down. Then I walk our daughter over to your parents' house, right? And your parents look after Lucy for two hours in the morning,
2: mm-hmm.
1: while Nona watches Betty while you can rest. Just let me keep going. Then at 1130 your parents drop off Lucy so she can take her nap right. from 1130 till 3 Well, Nona or you look after Betty yeah. and you can try to nap. Mm-hmm. Then Lucy will wake up and Nona will play with Lucy while Betty is usually either napping or being breastfed by you on our coffee table. Right. Then uh, supper's made. I'll put Lucy to bed. At about 7, you and Nona will watch TV and drink wine. Mm -hmm. And what am I doing during this time period? You
0: are editing and emailing for us and for our business constantly.
1: Uh, I'm doing a lot of work in the room. So Mm -hmm. by the time I come down and after I make your breakfast and feed you your breakfast, (laughs) I am in the room sending emails from day and paying our bills and getting things organized for us from morning from about 9 a.m. is probably when I send my first email or or response and then at 10 is usually when I'm done 10 p.m. on average and then you know I start the night so I'm not saying you don't have it rough but this post really made me seem like a effing deadbeat like oh Shane's pretty good I guess but here's what mama needs and it's like I get it you had the kid you're going through a lot of physical ailments but sometimes you need to recognize your privilege and we always talk about like oh white privilege this and that but you need to recognize the privilege in your own home that's going on that post was extremely misleading in my opinion
0: Look, I wasn't trying to make it a post that was like, oh, Shane's not doing this and I want to subliminally or you know inadvertently tell Shane to do more of this.
1: I'm the, literally the poster child for <laughs> your part. Tell okay. us what your partner's not okay. doing. That's the, that's the call to listen, action, by the way. It's tell me what your partner could do more of.
0: No, it's what you would want them to know or what you could communicate better to them about your needs postpartum because here's the you thing. You could
1: communicate better. Tell me why did I, I got to read this through a post? Anytime you say massage or anything, I'm there.
0: Yeah, I, no shame. How about I do it? Shane, the post. massage part was a was supposed to be a joke. I told you that and I just did it badly because I'm not funny. But <laughs> I told you I that. could
1: actually use a massage.
0: I do. I give you a back tickle every single Those night. Those have bed. gotten
1: to be maybe one minute ever since Betty came out. <laughs> one minute. And that's fine. And I I love that minute. It's a very important minute for me. But I mean, nobody asked me how I'm doing. And I'm not even publicly wanting that. I'm not publicly like, oh, could someone please ask me how I'm doing? Privately, yeah. In my own mind, I'm thinking, oh, it'd be nice if somebody thought about me. But what I don't want is to be publicly insinuated that I'm I, not holding my weight. And yeah, maybe you're not getting every single thing you need, but you are getting a lot look, and more than most yes. and so much. It's like...
0: Look, you, that is that is so fair. And I, I just want to um, just comment on a couple things you said that we only had double duty for the parents for about four or five days, which was incredible and the best only, thing ever. Only. Listen, listen. And
1: we ha- we did have Nona here who was a live-in for nanny two for two full weeks. Yeah.
0: Um, However, that still doesn't take away the fact that somebody is totally sleep deprived, that somebody is so physically drained and depleted.
1: You and I, you'd be shocked if you looked at our sleep records, how closely... We're getting the same amount of sleep.
0: Yeah. No, I believe... I might even say
1: you're getting slightly more sleep than me. I'm
0: not getting more sleep than you. If
1: you add up the... Well, you have the opportunity to during the day.
0: I haven't. I've napped twice since Okay, but every
1: day you get about six to seven hours of nap time, opportunity time. Or if you're not sleeping, you definitely have time to lay down and wind down.
0: I have time to wind down. Uh, Definitely. But it's like when... Okay. This is the only example I can think of. When Meghan Markle was talking about how hard it was postpartum, everybody's like, or, you know, a big group of people were like, oh my God, this is so lame. She's got all the help in the world. I don't feel bad for her. What does she have to complain about? The fact that she has a lot of help doesn't take away from the fact that she's still going through a shit ton. Like, on but my mind... Megan maybe- wasn't
1: like, yeah, I'm going through a shit ton. And guess who's not helping? Harry. <laughs> Prince of the world. Oh. Like, and, and no microphones were in front of Harry to ask him how he was doing.
0: Well, Because he wasn't the one... Like, Shane, like, your body isn't changed forever. And I feel for
1: you. I I do. Like, honestly. And
0: here's the thing. When I said... Because you said that you were most bothered by the last point.
1: It's just like, the way you framed it, you didn't give enough credit to Nona. There wasn't... Because the
0: post wasn't about that. I know, but... And here's the thing. And despite Nona being here, and despite you doing as much as you're doing, I can still feel like, man, like, I wish that Shane would, you know, give me one more really good hug in the day and just be like...
1: Yeah, but but it, there could be some empathy to understanding my side of thing and that that's how you could have framed it. Like, I know the sentiment of the post is about something entirely different, but the way you tee it up could mention certain things like, yes, I've had a na- live-in nanny here for two weeks and yes, Shane works 14 hours every single day and maybe he needs a massage, but guess what? <laughs> I went through the birth and whatever. It's just you teed it up like, I'm just this like guy who's not helping you out. Or I know,
0: something. and I'm so sorry about that because that is not how I intended it and I do feel bad about it. And you know, I think I screwed up.
1: I sometimes I imagine I'm like, what if I reverse that? And I did a post about Alex. I told like, you,
0: I wanted you to do one from the dad's point I, of view.
1: But I don't want to look like your parents follow the account and it's like here's Shame. Alex, my beautiful wife. Here she is with my beautiful daughter Betty. She's a fine, she's great, she's wonderful. However, Here's what I need a little bit more. From a dad's perspective, I would be murdered. I would be ruined online. I would I would get fired from my job if I did that. I, think. <laughs> I, I, I do believe that.
0: Well, it like depends pe- where like you went with it. Like the comment
1: section, I couldn't even look at it for a week. Like it would just be like men or everyone, men and women, just yeah, disparaging but it, it would.
0: Me. Well, it depends what you were going to say in it.
1: Just the equivalent of what you said, which is like, listen, my wife's great, however... Uh, originally, you worded it, you said, I want to shout these things from the rooftop. Well,
0: because because I feel like, and I think other women feel like, you know, even if their partner is doing so much like you are, like, it doesn't matter how much help you have, because I think that every obviously person's situation is different, and everybody's going to be needing a little extra something, because like, we're not okay, like, our brains are not okay right now. we're? We Women. Is the
1: presumption that. that I'm fine here?
0: No, absolutely not. And that's actually an interesting point because somebody in the comment section did bring up the fact that her husband had postpartum depression. And we spoke to some expert recently in the past month or so who talked about that. And I can't remember for the life of me who it was, but somebody did. And that was something that I didn't know was necessarily possible. And I don't think a lot of people do And the thought there is that, well, your hormones aren't getting impacted like ours are. And that's, like, beyond our control. But I think, at least in your case, it is driven by something different completely. It's not driven by physiological stuff. It's driven by the fact that, oh, my God, I have two kids. We have this home. We have this lifestyle we really like. And now I feel the pressure to provide and maintain financial comfort and that is huge that's a big burden and no shit that is making you feel depressed making you feel Mm. any way because that that is such a huge burden take and you are a very focused person Mm. and if you find something that you you know, that you want to maintain or a goal that you want to achieve, then you focus completely on that and you are working your ass off. Well, for and that. I'm also
1: handcuffed. I, I can't really bring up all my burdens because I know you're going through so many physical ail- ailments. I would seem like a total asshole to bring these things up when you know your vagina is all busted up and you're not feeling beautiful and all this and I'm like well I'm a little anxiety ridden so I keep it all inside yeah. and I don't ask for much all I do ask for is a little respect and to be publicly kind of misrepresented hurt my feelings I a little know. bit
0: and that's a, that kills me because I, I totally didn't want it to seem like that and I totally didn't want to and just the photo like alone. That, just I love gi- the photo. Give me
1: a photo where I look nice. I, I you know looked, that's hard. But. I thought you
0: looked great in it. I thought you looked great, and I know I'm wrong. You didn't like it, and that's the bottom line. If you don't like it, then it's no good. But for the record, I do love that I know, photo. But
1: you have a totally wrong perception of when I look good and when I don't. But that's honestly besides the point. It was more <laughs> – uh, I was a little, like, thrown off. But, yeah, we're talking about it now. I just wanted to get that off my – chest, I want to let you know, hey, I'm feeling stuff too. I'm going through a lot of anxiety. I don't think it means that I'm worse off than you, but definitely there's stuff I feel like I need that I'm not getting but I also feel like it's not an appropriate time to ask for those things because right at this time everyone's not going to get necessarily what they want and mm-hmm. I think in the initial phase of having a child it's the time when you sacrifice a lot of your personal happiness and luxuries and the massage part seems <laughs> maybe let's understand that Shane is going through some sort of hell right now
0: which, absolutely you
1: know it, it has been rough and I've tried to keep a smile on I'm trying to Uh, feed you and get get you and the nannies and you know it's just sometimes I feel like you know like I hear stories about your parents every night they used to rub your feet and massage (laughs) your head it's like I didn't come from that lifestyle you know true story (laughs) so yeah Alex her parents are amazing angels saints very kind people and they used to massage her feet and rub her head like one parent would be on the head one would be on the feet every night until I was 24. yeah and like you know you, your parent paid for your phone bill till you were like 35 yeah, 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 but yeah. okay but I'm just saying <laughs> I'm just saying that you have expectations that sometimes are a little bit higher right and uh, I feel like the real world isn't uh necessarily where you're always living
0: well I will say that most of the time you do deliver on those expectations that are higher. And can we I,
1: write a post about this,
0: please? <laughs> and I hope that I can deliver most of the time on your expectations that are higher. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Anytime I've ever asked you for anything. Okay, so here's another thing.
0: <laughs> You're I'll, shitting on me now. This podcast episode is going to be shitting on me.
1: Well, revenge is best served. <laughs> cold. Um, but I just asked one thing from you. I said, Alex, could you just give me a glass of water every day? I'm like, I'm feeling a little stressed. When I don't have my water, I feel like, you know, and sometimes I forget to get myself water. Of
0: course.
1: Just bring me a glass of water. You forget every day.
0: <laughs> Almost every day. I was on such a good thing. And then when I, because I would get us both waters first thing in the morning, lemon water, real tasty. Then as I got closer to having the baby and then right after the having having the baby, forgot Brain fried.
1: Hate to break it to you. You weren't doing it before the baby either. Let's move on though.
0: Let's. (laughs) But but I, I do want to say that for women that are feeling like they do need something extra and for your partners who also might be going through a ton, one person's issue doesn't negate the other person's. And you can both have things that you want done. You can both have things that you want your partner to work on. And one isn't necessarily more important than the other. And so. the
1: best way to communicate isn't always to your followers on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. So I wanted to talk about getting snipped, snipped or tied. Oh,
0: right, right.
1: Okay. So we have the two kids. The uh, I'm done. I'm ready to like my life's mission is complete. That's what I wanted. Yep. These two uh, amazing children, which I believe we have. However, I have a fear of what if. We get in a terrible accident, car accident, or something, and Lou and Betty are wiped out, or hitman mm-hmm. comes over, something, and we just don't have the kids anymore.
0: Yep. Are so, we
1: scared of not being able to have children? Like I'm worried. I get well.
0: You you can get it reversed, first of all.
1: Is that is that highest success rate though?
0: I think it's okay. I've, men do it. Like it's, and what if
1: that hurts?
0: Well, then it'll be a couple days of pain and i will get you water i will feed you waffles and i Mm -hmm. will massage you
1: i won't hold my breath
0: (laughs) and uh what was he gonna say oh yeah and you know what if something happened i mean we already talked about how you know we both don't want to go through pregnancy again we can adopt we can foster and we could also choose not to have kids and that we just go on with our lives as a family of two, as morbid as that thought is, but you know what I mean? Are you
1: still family if you don't have kids?
0: Yeah, of course. We're married.
1: Okay. That was that. That was a quicker topic than I thought. Good.
0: <laughs> okay. So I have another morbid topic, actually. Hit me. Since you're on that. Okay. So Lucy has been still transitioning to, you know, liking Betty or tolerating Betty and she's been great lately. I'd say for the past week, she's been really great in the sense that she always kisses Betty before bed. She wants to give her hugs. hug. She says good morning. However, she still isn't at the point where she wants to help out. And even today, she had a little freak out on me where she kind of attacked me. She stopped herself before she did anything. But my fear, I had like a, a day nightmare, a waking nightmare that she attacked What if she attacked Betty and, like, I had the
1: same thought today and, like, killed Betty? Yeah, were you in the kitchen and she was kind of alone watching Betty? Is that when you had the thought? Is it?
0: Yeah, our kitchen is 20 feet away. I had to do something in there, but Lucy wasn't watching Betty, but they they were in the
1: same room. No, I mean, she was looking at Betty.
0: Yeah, then I was like, okay, what if she accidentally did something? So then I came back and I I don't think she would, but then I started thinking, what would it be like to raise a child who did that, who killed your other kid? Not good. Can you imagine going through that as the parent?
1: Yeah, because here's the thing. When I was thinking at the same moment, uh, similar thoughts, like every time I go onto a balcony, if I'm... In Toronto at someone's apartment and I look over the balcony, I always think, what if I just flipped off this right now?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But obviously, I know what would happen and that crazy impulse or that...
0: That weird thought.
1: That weird thought goes dissipates quickly. But if you're two and you'd be like, what if I just punched my sister in the face right now? I wonder what would happen. You don't really have the wherewithal or uh, repercussion knowledge. Well,
0: she Yeah, she doesn't know what would happen.
1: So I was just thinking, what if she just bashes her head or something yeah, right I know. now? I uh, but yeah, the, the, it's an easy answer. It'd be terrible. It'd be uh, unconscionable to live that way if your two year old murdered your her sister. Yeah, geez, that'd be rough.
0: I know. I couldn't. Once that thought popped in my head today, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then I just kept hugging, kissing both of them, just being like, oh, stay sweet, stay sweet. Hmm. And just trying to shake that thought out of my head. That was awful. It was like a horrendous.
1: Agreed. Anything else on your mm-hmm. little list there?
0: Yeah, I do. So two nights ago, Taylor Swift dropped an album called Folklore, and the second it came out, I started getting a flurry of messages from people sending me the one song on the album called Betty. And I don't love it. I don't mind it at all. I didn't love it the first time, and now I like it. I've listened to it maybe. I'm more of a blank space
1: guy, you know. Or is it?
0: You're you're a little poppier. See, this one is a little. This whole album, I think, is a little more like witchy I'm not more poppy I think you are a more poppy guy no I'm <laughs> not you love Party in the USA
1: everyone loves Party in the USA <laughs> oh I'm sorry the Miley song that drew you in was the only song she she's ever had that was more popular hey
0: I'm just saying you what's you're that song generally, called generally Wrecking Ball
1: no the one before oh, that. oh 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 um, it's my party
0: yeah 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 la de la di la
1: yeah your recall for lyrics always impresses me by the way
0: i'm just saying i'm just saying i do like the song now and i haven't listened to the full album yet but i'm about what halfway through and i'm liking it so far
1: you see the thing with taylor swift for me is if she doesn't have a good song like when she has a good song i'm like oh i love taylor right but when i don't like the song i'm like she's kind of annoying
0: i always think she's annoying although i still like songs of hers Although I didn't really start until, on your suggestion, when I was teaching guitar a couple years ago. I was like, ah, what song should I teach my class? And you suggested Blank Space. And then that's when I actually, for the first time, I was like, oh, I kind of like Taylor.
1: Yeah, Taylor's the best. And then Betty comes out. I'm like, oh, this could be amazing. I love Taylor. Then I was like, "Eh, she's a a bit of a pill.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it is cool that it is the name of Blake Lively's Kid.
1: Very cool. I just don't want to get Betty so popular where it's like, oh, you copied her.
0: Yeah, don't name your kids Betty, guys. It sucks. It's old-fashioned. and It sounds funny. Agreed. So look at that. We're soul sisters, me and Blake.
1: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: thought you were going to have more to contribute. Shane, you're leaving me in the dust intentionally for that Facebook I'm post. I'm not. The Instagram just, post. Um,
1: I asked Alex to come up with some topics tonight. and uh,
0: You know well, obviously, It's not that
1: they're bad topics. It's just that they're not resonating with me.
0: Well, Shane, um, the main topic and the main thing I had as well was that post and... Everything that kind of stemmed from that post.
1: Okay. Last thing. When are we gonna have sex again?
0: What week are we? Three weeks. Three weeks from now. We can try.
1: Okay. Yeah. No. i Like I don't want to do it early. No. 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 I hate morning sex. I actually do, and that's not even.
0: <laughs> no, he does, which I find odd. But whatever.
1: It's the worst time to have sex. Continue.
0: <laughs> it's not. You're just waking up. It's a guess to whose start breath the day. stinks
1: and barely has <laughs> any cognitive function. Do me. <laughs>
0: but wait 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 wait. oh yeah and the nice thing about getting intimate postpartum you don't have to have obviously vaginal intercourse that's like the last thing i think any woman wants and i think a lot of husbands want to do too and whatever the couple is into and do that that's not vaginal sex
1: okay but, like, we've already done that. I'm just saying, when do you want it in the vagina? <laughs> what vagina is it? The, or is it the vulva that it goes in?
0: No, it goes in the vagina. So I had it right. Yeah, you did. When do you want it? Three weeks from now.
1: Is it going to hurt you?
0: Well, we're going to see. I hope not.
1: Are you sure? You've well, seen this thing in action. About,
0: <laughs> how about I start, we'll start with the perineal massage and, like, me.
1: That's going to be your turn on?
0: No, like now. I'm going to start. Oh, okay. For our listeners, when we do speak to Sarah Reardon, she talks about the benefits of perennial massage in pregnancy and in postpartum when you are preparing for things like having vaginal sex again. So I'll just start with a perennial massage.
1: You're going to do it with your own fingers? I'll
0: do it with myself. Because
1: I'm willing to trim my fingernails (laughs) and you know that. My back gets itchy so I keep them longer. Okay.
0: And yeah, I say in three weeks. We'll try.
1: All right. I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> well, you are too. You Maybe know, even more. Than you
0: know what's in about three weeks? Sex time. Yeah. But what else? About three weeks. Uh,
1: two massive orgasms.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully. I might have one too. I think our uh, anniversary is in three-ish weeks.
1: August 20th, yeah.
0: Yeah. Right? That's in about three weeks?
1: Okay. Let's do it on that night. Okay, cool. Okay, but let's get to this what a roller coaster of an opening. Let's <laughs> let's get to and we're going to be going up and down in 3 weeks, but let's get to this interview right now. You like that? Yeah. Ah.
0: All right, so let's get to our interview, but first. What? <laughs>
1: I'll do it. Don't worry. I'll edit that out. All right, and we're going to get to that interview with the Vagina Whisperer, Sarah Reardon. But first, I want my beautiful wife to let everyone know that
0: we are supported by Seedlip. Seedlip is the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. It's crafted without alcohol, sugar, and calories. It solves the problems of what to drink. When you're not drinking, which for different people could be at different times in their life.
1: Yeah, and I'm honestly considering never drinking again. (laughs) Will I? Probably yes. But the fact that Seed Lips making me consider it just goes to show you how good it is for me. It it has the same relaxing properties as alcohol, Mm -hmm. but without all the problems that come along with alcohol, which for me was after I drank two or three drinks, I wouldn't wake up the next day feeling as refreshed or normal as I would otherwise.
0: Absolutely. So
1: with this, I get kind of the best of both worlds. It also is delicious in that way your favorite alcoholic beverage is delicious. Yeah. Like it doesn't just taste like a Kool-Aid drink with a umbrella in it.
0: That's the thing. And that's what I love about it. It doesn't just taste like sugar. It doesn't just taste like soda. You can actually make sophisticated drinks like you would get in a high class bar.
1: Like the one we're enjoying right now.
0: Oh my God. It is amazing. Highly suggested. The Coconela Cocktail from the Seedlip Recipe Book.
1: And those are available online, these recipes?
0: Yeah. You can get all the recipes through seedlipdrinks.com or .ca or you can follow Seedlip social on Instagram. For more ways to enjoy Seedlip, find a recipe that's up your alley.
1: And I just want to make it clear that we sought out Seedlip to be a sponsor. They didn't approach us. We went after them and we went after them aggressively. Oh
0: my gosh, yeah. We tried Seedlip for the first time this winter and it was amazing. I was in the midst of pregnancy. Shane was drinking a very alcoholic drink and I needed something that would make me feel like I was on his level and an adult.
1: And then I came over to her side and now there are sponsors and we couldn't be happier. Uh, like we always say, we only grow after products that we truly believe in and this definitely is one of those.
0: Absolutely. So go check out Seedlip. They have three variants. They have Spice 94, which is what we are drinking tonight, Garden 108 and Grove 42. All alcohol free and unique and pay- Pair perfectly with just a splash of tonic if you want to keep it simple.
1: Well said, Alex. But we are also supported by
0: Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs has been there for me for the last two years of pregnancy, postpartum, and cracked nipples.
1: And they've been with us since the beginning. Yes, that's right. They were our first sponsor. We couldn't love them any more than we do for that reason and, again, we sought them out because you love them so much. And I tend to believe you on bra matters.
0: Absolutely. And the other thing is, so they are so comfortable. They are so functional, especially if you're using the nursing bra. But they're also pretty adorable. So I really, Adorable. They're I don't, adorable. I don't
1: hear that often with a bra.
0: Oh, they're adorable. I look adorable in it. I feel adorable in it. And I really do recommend them to all of my friends, any pregnant woman who comes to me asking. And now the exciting thing is I can be recommending them to my friends and family who are not nursing because they have a new everyday collection out. No clips, same comfort that you can get on ca.bravadodesigns.com.
1: And that's for Canadians only.
0: So sad, but Americans, you can still get their amazing nursing bras, which are what drew me in in the first place, at bravadodesigns.com. If you want 20% off, which is even more amazing, you can type in promo code thisfamilytree20 when you get to check out and enjoy that discount.
1: And enjoy this interview with the vagina whisperer, Sarah Reardon.
0: Sarah, thank you so much. For joining us right now on this Family Treat podcast. So, listeners, we have Sarah Reardon, the vagina whisperer, which is the best thing ever. And at a very good time, because I am currently what three weeks postpartum? And I love talking about pelvic floor physiotherapy. As do I. (laughs) Well, you have as do I. (laughs) So, Sarah, just to get our listeners that are unfamiliar with it started, why? is the pelvic floor so important?
3: Right. To even start with what the pelvic floor is, it is a group of muscles that sit at the bottom of your pelvis and they help support your organs. They're responsible for keeping in pee and poop until we're able to use the restroom at the appropriate time. And they also play a very big role in vaginal intercourse and vaginal birth. So the reason I think that these um, muscles and tissues are so important is because when they're not working well, they affect some pretty major parts of our life, like peeing and pooping, sexual health and birth. So I also love talking about this. I think it's something we don't talk about enough. And I'm so excited to kind of demystify that over our time together to just help people understand what's going on and- it can get help
1: why do you think the pelvic floor is so ignored after Mm -hmm. birth
3: well I mean I think even just in our common society in our society it's something we don't talk about even um, just in our day-to-day lives irrespective of birth so we don't it's kind of an intimate issue if there's a problem like urinary leakage or painful sex Mm -hmm. it can be very embarrassing to talk about So I think that that's often one of the reasons that we're kind of um, very secretive about this. Um, And in addition, as you all may be experiencing, there's not a lot of postpartum care for women after giving birth.
1: Well, in North America, because I was watching your your TED Talk you did, and you were saying in France and in India and uh, so many other places in the world, they just pay so much more respect to the pelvic floor than they do in North, and to the woman itself, uh, than they do in North America.
3: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And this is kind of an unfortunate epidemic I think we're experiencing, specifically here in the U.S., that other countries, they may tend to be more wellness focused um, Mm -hmm. and kind of really offering preventative measures for women like Automatically referring them to pelvic floor therapy after giving birth, Um, but also, um, you know, their healthcare systems are different. And so, I think that that typically with a more kind of socialized healthcare system, there's less barriers to access, like there are here. Mm -hmm. So there's a variety of issues. But again, I think that you know, in our society, even in our medical system, there's so much attention paid to the baby after giving birth, which is Mm -hmm. wonderful, and you all are experiencing now. But very little. Paid to the mom
0: so i'm curious because I, I really love to use the term the fact that women are physically impaired after they give birth and i feel physically impaired like i feel fine but physically i can't do so many of the same things that i would um and you also listed a few stats that i found mind-blowing in regards to this not being a more talked about issue you said one half of women who birth are still in pain months later one third of women have urinary or bowel issues sorry and two-thirds of women have diastasis recti and the fact that so many people are going through these things and we don't talk about it is absurd I only found out about pelvic floor physiotherapy because where I was getting my eyelashes done at the time was also a pelvic floor physiotherapy place and then I'd start seeing all these I know (laughs) but I start seeing all these signs and I'm like pelvic floor physiotherapy and I'd see photos of athletes talking about leakage and I'm like oh my god I had that when I was A you know competitive athlete, and then I started asking about it. So why do you think, as a health professional, even health professionals aren't talking to us
3: about it? Right, right. And I mentioned this in the TED Talk that oftentimes, if we don't ask patients about it, they're not Mm going to just offer that information. The research shows that. So you know, I'm in an interesting position and a fortunate one because I'm a healthcare provider, but I'm also a mom who's been through the gamut of pregnancy, birth the lack of postpartum care. And so I think as medical professionals, we need to receive the training. I mean, so, you know, we're really right now, a lot of physical therapists who specialize in pelvic health are kind of the boots on the ground. We're trying to go to graduate schools and residency programs to train these professionals about how to assess for pelvic floor issues and Mm. ask about them. And they're not responsible for knowing how to treat them, but that's when they can recognize their Pelvic floor physical therapy is a treatment option for them. So that's the first thing. Um, The second is we have to start talking. I think that, you know, as women and as moms, we often take the burden on ourselves. And I did this myself, even being in this field, that we want to be okay. We want to get back to our normal lives. We miss exercise. We may want to be intimate with our partners. We want to, you know, go out with our friends and just be okay after giving birth but we really don't spread the message to moms that you have to give your body time to recover. Yeah. Pregnancy in itself is a huge transformation for your your body and then birth which for 30% of women is a cesarean birth which is, you know, abdominal surgery yeah. and the majority of women do have a perineal tear during birth. I mean, these are major issues that affect how we function but yet we're just supposed to kind of start, yeah. you know, taking care of a child, you know, with all of these physical impairments, and yet we're not given guidance on how to take care of ourselves. Mm
1: -hmm. When is the normal um, amount of time till you can have sex again after birth?
3: So ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, states it's typically six weeks. So around six weeks is, I I find that to be a little bit of an arbitrary number. (laughs) I'm not sure where the research (laughs) is on that, but... You know, because some women may do it earlier and feel totally fine. And at six weeks, I see some women and they're like, don't touch me with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a whole spectrum. It's absolutely not within the first two weeks. So the reason for that is if there is going to be any medical complication, um, it typically occurs in the first two weeks. So Mm -hmm. really giving your body that time to heal. And then you check in with your
0: medical provider around four or six weeks. They give you the thumbs up and you can kind of give it a try. So this is a topic that, so I've just had my second daughter and it's been so important to me ever since I started preparing for the birth of my first. And I, I didn't really know how good it would be, but with the birth of my first daughter, so I had an episiotomy. And with that episiotomy, I was having leakage after, and I'm not just that, but with the weight of the baby. And then sex was still hurting seven months after seven months in like not the whole time but like initially it would leakage is pee like when you sneeze or something like that or if I was jumping I'd have like I'd pee when I sneeze but then yeah sex hurting initially for up to seven months and that was shocking and then I had a lot of scar tissue there too because it didn't heal properly because I didn't know that I needed to slow down as much as I should have and now with my second I'm really hoping to avoid these things so how long should I be taking it easy until I get back to even like exercising? again. So it's
3: really interesting. I was actually just writing something about this. So I always kind of my rule of thumb is, and you're kind of in this season still of your fourth Mm -hmm. trimester. I mean, you actually look amazing for three weeks (laughs) (laughs) postpartum. But um, you know, I always say week one, you stay in the bed. Week two, you're around the bed. Week three, you're around the house. And week four, you're around the block. Now that's very different for a second birth when you have other toddlers you've got to attend to. Again, many women have to go back to work within weeks, sometimes within days. But, you know, I really around that first month, I'm like, just chill and rest and recover and get Mm -hmm. down feeding and, you know, rest when you can. And then around, you know, week four, starting to do more core stability, pelvic floor exercises, and then eventually progress back to whatever it is you like to do running high impact stuff far yoga Mm -hmm. you know i really love starting with yoga if you're trying to get back into fitness i think it's just really therapeutic and then i don't recommend running or high intensity exercise or crossfit until at least 12 weeks postpartum Mm
0: -hmm. if Mm
3: -hmm. you are um but you have to kind of lay that foundation of rehabbing your pelvic
0: floor first Mm -hmm. and so it's hard i think for women to think okay i gotta like really chill for a month i gotta be you know in and out of the bed only really for a week do you ever have women talk to you about how their partners handle that because i'm shane is becoming so well versed because we talk about vaginas so much on this podcast but like we were both at you know ground zero not long ago so do you ever have women talking about how their partners kind of handle that or their understanding of that because i can see that being very difficult 100%. hundred percent. I mean, and I have this in my own marriage. I mean, you know,
3: at this point, like all of these topics are just dinner table conversations for my husband and me and my children. You know? But um, yeah, I mean, again, I think that one, it can be very embarrassing for mm-hmm. a woman to be experiencing these issues because it is an intimate part of our body and yeah. it affects our intimate relationships. Second, we kind of want to be okay after. We want to mm-hmm. bounce back or whatever you know people call it. And it sucks to feel crappy. And so you kind oh, of yeah. want to push past it and just be like, okay, I'm fine. I'm going to get over it. And there's also no time. I mean, you're mm-hmm. trying to keep a a small infant alive and maybe take care of other kids and keep your relationship healthy and all the things. And we often just don't have the time or capacity to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do feel like partners are becoming more receptive. I mean, I have partners who follow me on Instagram and they're tagging their spouses and saying, (laughs) Hey, check this out. Or Hey, you know, you've got to follow this person. And I really think that it's changing. I have partners come into the pregnancy sessions we have with clients, and because we do a lot of pregnancy preparation and childbirth preparation as well. And they'll mm-hmm. come in and I'll talk about, hey, these are positions to help her with during birth, and this is the way to help her breathe. So it's becoming much more inclusive.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and
3: I think it's also you know but it's not the partner's fault it's not the woman's fault i think that this is kind of a societal construct oh yeah that really feeding into this
1: is there anything you should do different uh, during the second birth as opposed to the first does it get easier is it harder
3: you know i think that my body totally changed after my second birth with the first one i was younger i just mm-hmm. i felt like i i you know quote unquote bounced back a little bit quicker i was back to exercise with the second one, I mean, I went from like pregnant to breastfeeding to pregnant. And so yeah. I never mm-hmm. felt like my body really had time to recover. And you're still sleep deprived from the first kid. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think that, um, really giving ourselves permission to just like take it easy. Mm-hmm. And I also learned though with the second to ask for help. Like I didn't yeah. have to be the hero and I don't know what your experience was with this, but like, I was like, I need people to help me instead of me just yes. trying to do everything myself.
0: Yes, that is very much our position right now. We have Shane's uh, stepmom living with us. She's leaving today, but she's been living with us to help us out. And honestly, without that help, I don't know how we would have done it for the first couple of weeks. And it makes me think of a lot of women in the U.S. because we're in Canada, but I have I have a full year to 18 months if I want to spend at home. And you keep talking about women going back to work after a couple weeks. So that like boggles my mind and infuriates me. And how, okay, so can you give a tip? Because I know if I was in the States and I had to go back to work like this coming week, I'd be freaking out because currently I'm sitting on a pillow right now because like I can't even sit down on a hard surface. So do you have any tips for women that are going back to work that are still dealing with pain? You know, it's so
3: difficult and it infuriates. Me as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that there are some other people that I really kind of pay attention to. I know one is, um, her name's Lauren Brody, and she wrote a book called The Fifth Trimester about how to transition from that fourth trimester and then returning to work. You know, I think some of the tips are practical ones. I think that we really have to advocate for ourselves. I think we need to ask for the breaks to, for the bathroom, for Mm -hmm. breastfeeding or pumping, for um, doctor visits if we need them. I think, again, it's really not just pushing through. You know, there are laws in place to help protect women when they go back to work that I think we need to be well versed on. Again, like this isn't information giving to us. So, unfortunately, we're in a place where we have to really seek it out so that we can get the resources we need. And then, you know, I always say this, but it's really hard to do. I'm like, listen to your body. Like, if you're in pain, that's your body telling you something. So, you know, it may be something where, you know, you need to go back to the doctor or you need to see a pelvic PT if we really, I think, take, give ourselves the permission to take some rest in the early weeks, I do think that the recovery goes better and faster yeah. than if we just try to get back to normal and run around. And then by week four or eight, we need to get to go back to work we're just wiped out. Yeah. Are there any
1: tips for talking to a doctor who's not exactly taking you seriously? For example, in your TED talk, you were saying that women were complaining that some doctors were saying, oh, just have some wine and get some lube and <laughs> y- you'll be fine. Like, what do you do when a doctor is not exactly taking you seriously?
3: I mean, it's it's really interesting because I can say these things to say, oh, you know, advocate for yourself. But I've been in that position. And when you get that response, you're you're kind of so taken aback that you feel shut down Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to speak for yourself. So, you know, one thing I think it's always, you know, good to bring a partner in with you because it's just two ears hearing it. It's two people who can help advocate and ask questions. One is you really work to find a provider who does listen. So, I mean, when I was, you know, my first pregnancy, I was 21 weeks pregnant and I asked my OBGYN, my obstetrician, you know, how do you feel about having a doula in the room? And her response was, I feel like they just get in the way. So I was like, okay, well, Mm. I went was like, that's not really the response that I'm looking for. And I want a doula because the research shows that outcomes are better for moms who have doulas. So Mm -hmm. I switched doctors at 21 weeks to another physician who was more supportive and progressive and just willing to kind of meet where I wanted to be. And Mm so, um, you know, I think again, it really is advocating for ourselves and asking, I mean, you know, in, the United States, you don't have to have a prescription for physical therapy to see a pelvic floor therapist. So knowing that you can just go see one and you don't even need to have a physician's referral, at least for an eval. So just knowing that there are avenues for resources instead of just going by what the doc says.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So one thing that I come across a lot uh, when I speak to women online is that they're like scared of getting to know their vagina. And I talk about that quite frequently. Like. I I feel very comfortable checking it out, making sure everything's okay. Um, I avoided looking at it for the first, I think, four days after I gave birth this time. But then when I looked at it, I was shocked. And it was actually healing much better than it was the first time. So for women who are kind of nervous to look down there, who don't have a good relationship with their vagina, with their vulva, when do you recommend they start kind of trying to... You know see when they need help because well this is the thing like we don't have our appointment until six weeks right and that's crazy so when do you recommend because i don't want to terrify any ladies from their frankenstein stitched up vaginas so when do you recommend they start checking it out to see how things are healing to see if they do need to go see a doctor before that six weeks
3: Right. So um, I think that f- that's a great question. And you and I are in the minority. I'm also very comfortable <laughs> with myself. But, <laughs> um, you know, I think that that's not the case. And I think it's really awesome to recognize that there's the majority of people, you know, one, nobody teaches us about this part of our bodies. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I first got my menstrual cycle at 10, you know, I was a baby. My mom gave me a book and a box of tampons and was like, oh, good luck. And I was like, thanks mom. You know, so it's like, nobody's giving us this education. <laughs> so it's so amazing to speak about this. Cause I think it will change the way that we approach mm-hmm. the next generation. Second is that really go by your symptoms. So if you're having pain, if you're, you know, speaking with your physician and it's not getting better, if things are getting worse, or if mm-hmm. your bleeding gets better and then gets worse, then I think those are some clear signs that like, Hey, something could be wrong. Yeah. So you can always call your medical provider. If you need to go in sooner than six weeks. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had patients go in at three days, five days, two weeks, you know? So I don't think we're all supposed to know kind of what we're looking at down there. But, um, you know, I think if things are not getting better, if something is getting better and then reverts to getting worse, definitely just start giving some attention to it or go see a medical provider. Mm -hmm. I start seeing my patients in the clinic postpartum around four weeks. So sometimes even before they see a pelvic, um, even their uh, follow-up doctor visit. So you know, again, I don't think everybody needs to kind of know everything about that area, but listen to your body. If something doesn't feel right, check it out. And if you're not even comfortable checking it out, go back to your provider and just insist that, that they do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We were watching Amy Schumer's doc the other day. Mm-hmm. It's called Expecting Amy. And her husband, Chris, was helping her with the... Is it... Cr- uh,
0: Perineal massage.
1: Yes. And... I had never done that. Alex was always doing that massage by herself. I didn't even know I could like lend a hand. Um, do you think it's better if she does these exercises and things like that herself, or should I get in there?
3: Um, it is a totally personal choice, and that is an amazing question. It's totally personal. So I actually had my husband help me. And then I was like, okay, this is what we need to do. And he did it and he was like, mm, I don't really like this. And I was like, I don't really like it either. And then I was like, I should do it myself, you know? So <laughs> I think it's really what works for every couple and every partner. And um, so it, there's no wrong or right way. I teach people both ways. I have partners do it and I have people do it to themselves. Um, it's mm-hmm. also something that same perineal massages, once you do have scar tissue heal postpartum, um, post-birth, from an episiotomy or tear it's the same massage that i have people do so again after it's healed six to eight weeks and you get the doctor's thumbs up it's another great way to really help with recovery
0: so it's not too late you can still step in well what
1: would you prefer
0: Uh, i don't know maybe i'll take care of the massage then we can get you in later on (laughs) sex joke oh okay
1: I didn't get it, but... I, I mean,
0: honestly, if you watch the one. kids for 30 minutes while she
3: gets time alone, then you'd probably be doing her more of a service. Gotcha. <laughs> there you go. Yeah,
1: because that's what I would prefer, yeah. but I don't want to make you think I wouldn't want to get in there. No, I, I just I, feel like you would know your body better than me.
0: Yeah, I feel like I'll leave it to me and my mm-hmm. pelvic floor therapist, and then okay. we'll... Yeah, we'll yeah. do... Because
1: if I hurt you, it would be so... Like, yeah, I'd
0: like, rather do other things no. if we had that time alone. Okay. But... Sarah, I have a few questions from listeners that I find are quite universal. And if one person's asking it, there's a 100 that are wanting to ask it. Absolutely. So first up, I have, what can I do leading up to labor to help with birth and recovery?
3: One of my favorite things. And part of this is because I think that if we prepare ourselves for, again, such a huge kind of physical experience that Mm -hmm. we can have better outcomes. So one is in that third trimester, like lay off all the Kegels. So I think we hear so much to tighten, tighten, tighten. And that third trimester, I really like to focus on softening and relaxation and lengthening those muscles Mm -hmm. that we need to, you know, help, relaxed to have to give birth. I always say it's not your pelvic floor muscles that need to push the baby out, it's your uterus. We just need those muscles to kind of get out of the way. Mm -hmm. So um, perineal massage is one. I recommend that people do a lot of like a deep squat where you get really, really low. In yoga it's called Malasana pose and you just kind of hang out there. I tell people to do that while they're brushing their teeth, assuming you brush your teeth twice a day, because it's twice a day that you can just like get into that deep squat and stretch that perineum, relax the pelvic floor muscles. And then also, you know, taking it easy. I don't think we need to be pushing our bodies to the max with Mm -hmm. exercise and because there's so much going on that rest, recovery, hydration, nutrition, all of those things play a huge role in that third trimester preparation.
0: That's awesome. And I wish I knew about the deep squat because my issue was that- uh, with my first child anyways, my pelvic floor was too tight. It was always flex. And I was in so much pain after because I couldn't relax it even after childbirth. So that's why the sex hurt, I think, too, because it was just always, like, clenched i guess right well one
3: thing is that if we do a lot of exercise you know if we do bar or you know we're always told like suck in your core and all mm. that kind of turns your pelvic floor on if you have a lot of tension in your body some people just hold it in their pelvic floor so that's not unusual but nobody teaches us how to relax right. it and we need it to relax to give birth and we also need to learn how to like relax and push to give birth right oftentimes if you have an epidural or pain medication your muscles need a little assistance to kind of open up. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in our, a lot of physical therapists in Canada, in the U S the UK, we're all doing childbirth preparation sessions. So we see a mom once or twice before birth to teach her how to push, to use a mirror so she can kind of see her anatomy, see what relaxation
0: looks like and things like that. That is awesome. See, and I feel like if I did those things, I wouldn't have needed an episiotomy the first time, which was awful. But uh, the next question, how do you know if you need pelvic floor physiotherapy?
3: So, you know, what's really important is I think if we know what's normal, so if something's not normal, we know that there's an issue. So one, sex should never be painful. Never? Never. Okay. It may be some discomfort or tension the first time somebody has a sexual experience, uh, maybe some dryness or sensitivity after birth. But if it's pain, that's a signal that something's not right. and it could be muscle tension, it could be scar mm-hmm. tissue, it could be vaginal dryness, it could be hormonal changes related to menopause. So there's help for those things. The whole point yeah. is like don't just push through or avoid yeah. completely, seek help. Other things is that urinary leakage, common but not normal, pooping problems, another huge one, mm-hmm. you know, straining during constipation, leakage of poop hemorrhoids, all of those things, not normal things are common, but we just kind of quietly deal with them. So those are all signs that you may need some pelvic floor therapy. You may need to see a
0: specialist. Mm -hmm. So in the first few weeks postpartum, what are some things, and I know every person is different, but are there general things that we can be doing to Ensure that we're on the road to healthy recovery? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, depending on what type of birth you have, if you have a
3: vaginal birth, I really recommend icing for the first several days. So, hmm. even if you don't have any tearing in the perineal area, so ice, 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 like the first three to five days, even after you leave the hospital or birthing center. That yep. ice helps keep all the inflammation down and helps minimize infection and help with healing. And then after that, you can start doing a SITS bath, you can take a warm bath, you know, whatever it is that makes you comfortable. And then again, slowly, I just say start walking. That's the first thing you need to do and and really kind of baby those tissues. If you have a cesarean birth, very similar. Ice your incision. You can use heat as well if it's comfortable for you. You don't have to use all these super tight binders and stuff like that. That's not necessary. But then also kind of learning simple things like how to roll over to get out of bed if you've had a cesarean birth or... I always I have these videos on like how to take your first poop after giving birth. I'm like that's a huge one. Sometimes mm-hmm. the first poop is worse than the baby.
0: I'm like, so if we just taught people this, oh my, I had PTSD for like a month and a half after my first child. Like I could not poop without like crying. Not not even crying during it, but crying beforehand because I was so nervous. Just gonna Are check you, on the and can you see if the the baby needs to come here? Yep. Okay, we have a uh, our. Mother-in-law taking care of babies, but we hear some crying, so I might need to begin feeding.
3: <laughs> no, go for it. This is how this works. I've been there, so good for you. And um, oh, thank you. you. know, I tell people to take stool softeners right away to help keep poop soft for the first two weeks. Make sure that bowel movements are consistent. I mean, just to getting those basic functions down of you know not straining when you pee, using that little peri bottle to rinse. That Freedom yes. Mom has a great one. You know, just really babying and taking care of everything, and then slowly progressing into you know walking picking up other kiddos, things like that.
0: Cause I notice, so if I go to pick up my two year old, I'll notice like bleed. So I, I'm generally not bleeding much anymore. And again, this is third week. But when I pick up my two year old, I find that I have blood and is that normal? Like I'm, I'm trying not to pick her up a lot. I'm leaving that to Shane. But when I do, I notice more blood.
3: So blood, an increase in blood or pain is a sign that it's probably too much for your body right Right. now. So two of the things I really recommend moms to do early, if if you have to pick up another kiddo, is to exhale as you do it. So when you lift something, we tend to kind of hold and brace, and that causes a lot of pressure on our pelvic floor and our abdominals. So if you exhale as you do it, like even now when I pick up my three-year-old, I'm like, okay, buddy, one, two, and I exhale, that just releases some of the pressure from
0: going down on my pelvic floor, which is really vulnerable. Okay, that's really smart because I definitely brace and I don't notice it when I'm holding her, but it's always afterward. Another question, do the chances of tearing increase for a VBAC, a vaginal birth after cesarean?
3: You know, I am, so I am not aware of research that states that there's a higher chance of uh, tearing um, with a, a vaginal birth. If it's a first time, the, the hard part is, is that typically first time births, you are more likely to have tearing first time vaginal births than if you've never had kids before.
0: Right. But
3: I wouldn't say that the risk is any higher than, you know, of another first time mom. So it's not like, you know, I think sometimes It's one, it's a really personal decision if somebody decides to have a VBAC versus have what we call a C-back, another cesarean, Mm -hmm. weighing the pros and cons. But I wouldn't think that that would be necessarily a factor to dissuade someone from having a vaginal birth.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean, so I I did have the episiotomy with my first, and it- (laughs) it did not heal properly and there were issues but beyond i think like cosmetic issues with the scar tissue which got fixed with this birth it wasn't anything that i couldn't work through once i started going to pelvic floor physiotherapy because prior to that it was hard it was an issue and i think right now the biggest problem that i'm having and i know other moms are going through the same is kind of starting at ground zero again with leakage when you sneeze with leakage when you run so for me personally, and for the other moms going through that, what, what can I start doing now, even before I go to my first appointments?
3: Right. So one, a lot of therapists offer online sessions. So I know that we yes. do that in Canada, we do it in the US. So even just getting a little bit of an individualized approach can be helpful. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you do know that you don't have a lot of tension in your pelvic floor at this point, you could absolutely start doing some pelvic floor contractions, which we refer to as Kegels, and kind of turning on your pelvic floor and learning to engage down there, again, I remember doing this after giving birth and like, oh, I just want to see if I can like do a Kegel. And I'm like, it was radio silence down there, right? So, <laughs> it's, like, it's like embarrassing. It like embarrassing. those muscles were shot. I mean, they were tired they were yeah. weak. And so that's why you're having the leakage likely right now is because mm-hmm. all that, anytime you cough or sneeze, it puts pressure on your bladder and that your muscles can't support against that. Mm-hmm. So one, starting to engage those pelvic floor muscles and then use them when you need them. So contract before the cough, contract before the sneeze. Yeah you know, contract when you're about to pick up your son so that you have some of that muscle strength and tension there instead of just kind mm-hmm. of letting all the pressure happen to it over the course of the day. So
0: it's like embarrassing. And I find myself almost getting mad at my body for, because it's radio sounds, you're right. And for feeling that weakness, again, it's something that I'm not used to. So I was going pee and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna see if I can stop the stream. And it slowed but it didn't stop it. And I know I'm still early, but that was such a moment of feeling kind of powerless within my own body. And that was hard to deal with.
3: Totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, and again, I think nobody, if I were to tell you like, Hey, this is totally normal. You're exactly where you need to be. That might be more helpful for you to kind of know, okay, this is, yeah. this is actually where I need to be versus I'm all jacked up in my pelvic force and mass. Like I think some of this is not just knowing kind of where your normal should be. So, yeah, okay. um, I think it's good. I mean, the other thing is, you know, you're not walking around leaking all day. So these muscles are working. It's just with added exertion that you're experiencing some... Some leakage. The other thing is thinking about these muscles, like they kind of work, um, you know, gravity puts more pressure on them. So if you mm-hmm. were even to start some of these lying on your side or lying on your back where there's no gravity, you might start to feel kind of more engagement than in an upright position, yeah. like peeing or standing where there's more gravity pressing down. So just thinking about ways to kind of start connecting and mm-hmm. that could be helpful. But again, nobody teaches you this. So you're no. not alone. I'm super sorry that you're experiencing it, but I think that this is actually kind of more normal where you are yeah. than in like a, a negative space.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's frustrating too because when you think about getting into shape after you give birth, right, you look around at what we see in magazines, on Instagram, whatever the hell it is, and it's like women getting into physical shape, like getting their abs back, getting their ass toned again, things like that. You don't think of what actually matters because that stuff, like who cares? What actually matters is – Getting here comes the baby. <laughs> oh, hold on, <laughs> Thank you so much. So nice, ah, look at this one. <laughs> this is Betty. <laughs> Hi, she is so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> she's sweet when she's well fed.
3: Yeah, <laughs> aren't we all? When I'm <laughs> when I'm cranky and. um, like grouchy and just like snapping at my kids I'm like I'm hungry (laughs) I'm like they're the same way when they're acting like animals or jerks I'm like oh they're hungry it's I'm or tired which is just what
0: we want to do so what I was saying is like we see people working on their physical like external body however that matters next to nothing right
3: and you know so yeah social media is such a tricky thing and I'm so grateful for it because I it's really helped educate so many people about pelvic health and something I'm so passionate about. But it also comes with some unfortunate, I think, experiences where we are only seeing the best of everybody and including myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll take 10 pictures until I find the one where I feel like I look the best. You know? <laughs> So I don't even care how my kids look. I'm like, I have to look good. But, um, you know, so I think that we only see the glimpses of what we want of people's lives. And there is mm-hmm. a shit show going on in between the images. And it's, the case for everybody and
0: it's it's the leakage going on between those images and the fact that you know you might look great on the outside but it's that in the internal muscles things like pelvic floor that we really need to be focusing on i think you know get lost in the context of things and just one more question i want to get to uh somebody was asking about belly bands and wraps in the first six weeks postpartum i don't know anything about wraps and belly bands but people always ask me about them so do they help with pelvic floor? Yeah, so there's a couple
3: different schools of thought. So actually, if we think back historically, there's a lot of cultures, Eastern cultures, African cultures, where they actually do belly binding. Mm-hmm. And the thought is to kind of help bring everything back in in the midsection. But what can happen with that is that if you're tightening in the middle, that pressure has to go somewhere and it tends right. to go down towards your pelvic floor. So, you know, our thought process as a pelvic floor therapist is that if you're, you're using these super tight waist trainers and belly mm-hmm. binders, It maybe helps your your abs feel like they're sucking in, but then it's pushing on your pelvic floor, which is already weak and already vulnerable. So Mm -hmm. I don't love super tight belly bands. After cesarean birth, the hospital can typically give you um, like a little abdominal wrap. It's like a super soft binder. That's perfect. You can put it on pretty gently. It doesn't need to be super tight to give you a little bit of support. And moms feel like that's so helpful after cesarean birth. And then after a a vaginal birth, I like compression. So yoga pants or even like a little band that some people wear during pregnancy. It's like a compression belly band Mm -hmm. that just kind of feels like it gives you a little hug, but it's not like squeezing you together. That's fine. But the ones like the waist trainers and the really tight wrap aren't necessary and they're actually can be harmful the belly supports the compression is helpful but it's not necessary so mm-hmm. i didn't wear any of it and i don't think it made any difference about how my abs look some people just makes it feel like they have a little more support after
0: yeah okay yeah because i i see them advertised all the time and again women ask me and i just i can't speak on it but i've heard claims that they help pelvic floor but to me it just it wouldn't make sense because like what you said everything getting pushed down
3: yeah and that's not true <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) It's so funny because people will send me these images all the time or these Facebook ads for like, you know, is this going to help my pelvic floor? And I'm like, these crazy machines that like tighten your butt or whatever, you squeeze your thighs. I'm like, if this was the answer, then like my line of work would be done. But it's not the answer. If it was that easy, nobody would be leaking.
0: Yeah. And one last thing, sorry, a friend had me wanting to ask this, but with sex, you know, you hear... Usually in derogatory statements towards women girls that having sex is bad for your vagina and pelvic floor and it makes things looser. But then somebody wanted to know, does sex actually help and help strengthen pelvic floor or does it help relax? So what of the two does it do? Or neither. Or neither. Yeah. neither, yeah. Or both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All the it options. Oh everything. my God. So,
3: um, You know, sex is, I think, a really positive important experience that should be pleasurable for everyone. And so Mm. if it's painful, as I and I'll say this over and over because it's the most common complaint we get from women, not even just after giving birth, just in general, is painful sex. It is the most common Mm. thing that that people come in for. But if you have tight muscles, learning to relax those muscles so that intercourse can be pleasurable, then intercourse can be a really positive thing. Mm. Um, However, so it can be but it's not gonna like make your vagina a cave or loosey goosey yeah. or anything like that. Like when you have intercourse, you have blood flow rushing to that area, which is healthy. It helps with lubrication, it helps with muscle tone. So it's a good thing as mm-hmm. long as it's not painful when you have an orgasm, which is actually a contraction of these outer layer of the superficial pelvic floor muscles, that actually can help strengthen your muscles because those right. muscles are contracting or relaxing. So it's healthy, it's a positive thing. So sex doesn't have any negative effects as long as it's not painful and right. it can only have positive effects and it's not gonna make your vagina too tight or too, you know, cavernous. perfect like. the way
0: it is. Yeah, it's just gonna make it as it should be, right?
1: All right, Keep more it as orgasms to come. <laughs>
0: But they are, and you know,
3: I mean, and that's one thing, is that we also have women coming in who've never been able to have an orgasm. And part of that is learning to relax these muscles because you need to have blood flow going to them. So if everything's tight and locked up, you can't get to that point of kind of climax. So, and then actually we see men as well, which you wouldn't know, but by the name of the vagina whisperer, but it's, um, it's the same thing that these muscles need to be relaxed, not weak, but relaxed, so that you can have good contractions and good relaxation
0: and i think that is so crucial for a lot of our listeners because although we are a family and parenting podcast generally so many of our listeners don't have kids yet and i think that from surface value they might not see the value of pelvic floor physiotherapist whereas you know for men for people without kids there are still so many reasons why you should go and why you should check it out
1: so a man can go to a pelvic floor therapist you still have a pelvis Oh, I always forget about that.
3: (laughs) You do have a pelvis and you do have a pelvic floor. And so similar issues, it could be urinary issues like frequency, difficulty emptying your stream, um, burning during urination, pelvic pain, uh, pooping problems, sexual Mm. dysfunction. So yeah, absolutely. You know, the only part is not birth and and menopause. Mm. So, um, but yeah, we see... There have been times that 50% of my caseload of patients have been males.
1: Have you ever thought about changing the name to Vagina and Penis Whisperer?
3: <laughs> no. I feel like my <laughs> husband would not love the Penis Whisperer part. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I really, I love working with men. But, you know, as a mom and as a woman, I just feel like there's not enough support for us. Mm-hmm. And so I really, that is my passion and my mission is to really help support that population. So, <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs>
1: Apology accepted. Uh, <laughs> how did you come up with that brilliant name, The Vagina Whisper? Because it is so it's catchy. So Thank catchy. you. So
3: um, I wish I could take all the credit, but my college friends actually came up with it. After grad school, I started doing pelvic floor therapy right away. I thought I was going to be the traditional physical therapist doing like sports and um, mm-hmm. that's not at all the path I went down. So when we would get together for these annual summer reunions, I would sometimes end up like with their moms in the hot tub (laughs) talking about all their pelvic floor issues. And I was not hanging out with, you know, my post-college friends. So they just were like, Oh my gosh, she's like the vagina whisperer. And they really came up with the name. And so the Instagram account was started for my group of friends when we were all having babies so that they could have the information. And then it just really kind of organically grew from there.
1: And that name was available. It wasn't taken. You didn't have to bribe anyone to get it. Correct. Good for you.
3: Yeah. So, um, but no, it was, you know, I was the only one at the time.
0: That's amazing. So for listeners who want to go check you out, it's at the period vagina period whisperer.
1: But if you just start to spell it, I think you're the most popular vagina whisperer out there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I hope so, I hope so. (laughs) And Sarah, where else can people find you? Do you have a website or...
3: Yeah, I do have a website, which is also the vagina And um, it just gives you more information about the, the resources we have. We have a huge several blog posts on there, not just pregnancy and postpartum, but just pelvic health in general, like, mm-hmm. you know, breastfeeding can affect your pelvic floor, you know, breast cancer, menopause, again, painful sex, all these things, kind of what to expect in a pelvic physical mm-hmm. therapy session, because it can be a little bit intimidating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just kind of demystifying a lot of stuff. And then just information about our online sessions or online courses, kind of all kinds of stuff. That's fantastic.
0: Well, highly recommend any listeners who are thinking about it, whether you have kids or have not, or whether you are a man, Mm -hmm. check out Sarah's page. And I'm sure she can offer you some help either now or at another time in your future. But Sarah, thank you so much for being with us today. It's, It's really been awesome.
3: Thank That's you nice. both. Y'all are amazing. And I cannot give you enough compliments about how like put together you all look for having a three-week-old baby. I <laughs> well,
1: really it's am. easy for me.
0: <laughs> I, I am in a sports bra and sweatpants. So and well, she's breastfeeding right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Sarah, thank you so much. And uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Yeah, thank
3: you both. You guys
0: take care. All right, Absolutely. bye, Sarah. Bye, y'all.
1: Okay, what would you think of that?
0: Amazing. I, I love talking pelvic floor physio. She had a
1: louder be- voice than I thought she'd have. <laughs> i thought
0: would be like okay no she was she was amazing i just i liked how comfortable it was talking to her and again just speaking with somebody who is so knowledgeable and can you know apply what they know so quickly it's so helpful and honestly the pelvic floor physio and the well-being of my vagina is on my mind like very constantly right now so it it helps a lot talking to people like her.
1: Absolutely. I hope that helped a lot of people. I tried to contribute as much as I could. You were great. I, oh, that's all I wanted you to say. Thank you. <laughs> but now it's time for the coolest woman on the planet. 100%. Brie McDaniel, who, you know, uh, she goes by the Instagram name Moon and Cheese because Brie liked the cheese. But yeah, I really love talking to her.
0: Really talented woman. And we hope that you guys can learn something from her just like we did.
1: Everyone listening probably wants to take pictures of their kids, and if you're not a professional photographer but you want to up your game, this is the conversation for you. You will glean something from it, I guarantee Mm -hmm. you, and let's get to that interview. But first, Alex, who are we supported by?
0: We are supported by Hungry Buddha Keto Bars.
1: It's the best keto bar I've ever had. I actually first got into Buddha brands through Thirsty Buddha, Yeah. which I thought was great, but now... I'm really a Hungry Buddha guy, Okay, first and foremost.
0: These keto bars, I find, have no aftertaste. You know that weird flavor in your mouth when you have a keto bar? I don't know
1: how to describe it, but yeah, all keto bars... They seem related.
0: Yes, except for this one. This one truly is in a league of its own. It is so delicious, and they are made so cleanly. The Hungry Buddha Keto Bars are packed with healthy fats from MCT oil. They have 9 grams of plant protein, are keto-certified with only 4 grams of net carbs, and less than 2 grams of sugar.
1: And this is perfect for me because during quarantine, at the beginning of it, I was doing pretty good health-wise and watched my diet. Then I started slipping into the midday cookie. Started out with one, then it went to two. Now, when that hunger strikes, I go for my Hungry Buddha keto Bar, and it feels the same as the cookie, but without all the bad stuff and high amount of calories I was consuming.
0: Yes, and with the flavors that they have, we've been eating the chocolate chip bars, the coconut cocoa bars, and the espresso brownie.
1: And I realized in previous Reads, I was saying espresso. I know that's a no-no. You was,
0: I didn't even notice yeah, you were saying that. I
1: don't know. I'm Shane. Not, I don't, yeah, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> if you want to get on the Hungry Buddha Keto Bar train Choo-choo. like Shane and I, you can go to Amazon.com or Amazon.ca where they're available. And if you type in the promo code FAMILYTREE15, you can get 15% off the bars on Amazon. And please take note, it is not this Family Tree. It is just family tree 15 for 15% off.
1: So yeah, enjoy that and enjoy this interview with Bree McDaniel.
0: What up? Hey,
1: how's, how's it, going? it going?
4: Good. How's it going with y'all? So good. good.
0: We're so happy to have you on.
4: Yeah, I I am beyond honored that y'all asked me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Where are you from? I like that accent.
0: Oh, well,
4: I'm originally from um, South Carolina, but I'm living in Seattle right now. Oh, nice. That's
0: Uh one place we always wanna visit. Yeah, we're planning on going to see some games there, but now we're in COVID, so we can't do anything.
4: Yeah, it's pretty much put, like, all plans on pause. But when everything does kind of slow down, like, y'all should definitely visit Seattle. It is epic.
1: What's the best thing to see over there?
4: If you're into, uh, like, tourist sites and stuff, the Space Needle. Like, I think that's really, really amazing. Of course, yeah. And then if you're into, like, hiking and stuff, like, get out on a trail. Like, do one that will um, show off, like, Mount Rainier. Pretty much anything you do there is going to be awesome.
1: All right. Wow, that's a good review.
0: And you guys (laughs) are still in... (laughs) like full lockdown there or what's what's the, the COVID deal? So we've been
4: opening up, I, I believe we're in phase two or maybe phase three. There are restaurants that are open. I kind of gauge it by my job. I'm a wedding photographer. Okay. So right now they are allowing religious ceremonies, aka weddings, up to like I think I wanna say fifty people outdoors, but I might be completely wrong about it. But you know, we're opening up to an extent.
0: So are you are you getting business then as it is?
4: Um, it's been kind of weird. I haven't been I guess, booking as much as I usually do. Mm -hmm. But some people still are planning their weddings, which is awesome. And a lot of my clients from this year, unfortunately, have had to either like reschedule or just cancel their weddings altogether. Mm -hmm. So It's been, you know, it's been a mess.
0: Oh, my God. No kidding. And so for us, like we're both working from home. I'm on mat leave now. I just had a baby a week ago. And oh, congrats. For, Thank you. And for us, it's been interesting because it's been pretty much business as usual. We've been going through a lot of things that we want to photograph and that I would typically hire somebody like you for, hire a photographer for. However, yeah. we've been trying to learn how to take photographs and try to get creative behind the camera. And I find you such an inspirational artist in that regard. So I want to know, oh, like, you're a wedding photographer by trade, but how long have you been doing kind of artistic photography and self-portraiture and things like that?
4: Well, I just started uh, this year, so pretty much quarantine allowed me to have free time to actually focus on the type of work that I've always wanted to create. Mm-hmm. I've been shooting weddings for eight years, and it's pretty much been nonstop for me. Yeah. Um, and I've been working, you know, every month, and I never really had this time to get creative until you know, I was stuck at home. And I was like, well, you know, I I got these ideas, like, and then I kind of started linking my work to my self love journey. Mm -hmm. And the bolder I got with my art, the, uh, the more I felt comfortable on my skin. And the more I started to embrace who I am, you know, all the good stuff, and you know, the bad stuff, too. And like, having that outlet allows me to just really kind of look at different parts of myself and just kind of work through all of it. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a journey. It's a part of my self-love journey. Yeah.
1: So when you say self-love journey, where did it begin and where do you think you are right now?
4: Well, I, I want to say it really just begun. One of the like big moments for me was in February. February is like the first month where I actually started putting out real work. So mm-hmm. when I say like the self-love journey, I say just steps and the process of getting to know who I am, finding out like my feelings and trying to figure out why I feel them. Mm -hmm. um, Understanding that it's okay to feel them because I'm human Mm -hmm. and just like accepting that.
0: So I was curious because I was looking at your images online. So you have like, you're taking and you have been posting images of empowered motherhood. Thank you. And you have a prelude on your website, which I thought was so well written. I just wanted to read that to give the listeners an idea. So, Images of empowered motherhood by Bree McDaniel. Black motherhood has so many com- beautiful layers and complexities. Explore them with me. Black motherhood carries chains that yearn to be broken. Break them with me. Black motherhood matters. Amplify it with me. So, while there are so many facets to that, are there certain things that you try, that you choose to kind of highlight in your photographs when it comes to the beautiful layers or the complexities? yeah
4: so when i'm taking my photographs i try to really focus on all different parts of black motherhood like the good stuff Mm -hmm. and like the bad stuff the real stuff i find like when it comes to photos of mothers you only really see one particular type of mom so you think or when i look at it as a black person i think oh like maybe black moms aren't going through the same problems that i have like maybe It's just me, you know, and then I get kind of all up in my head and then I start to, you know, doubt my own feelings. And so by putting out this work and showing that black women can be so many different things and not just one type of person and not put them to one just type of box, then it can help accept those feelings Mm -hmm. Um, and it can just like shed a light on fact that i mean black women are normal you know it's just like we go through the same stuff that all moms go through Absolutely. what is a
1: portrayal that you find stereotypical or that you see quite often
4: um let's see well uh, i guess i can kind of go off of how black women are portrayed in the media
2: mm-hmm. um
4: we're portrayed as angry we are oftentimes portrayed as ghetto loud unruly and a, a lot of times with my images i want to show that black women can be the opposite of that they can be Mm. peaceful and if anything like you know if we're portrayed as angry we feel this rage for a reason you know so if anything like I'm showing like the humanity to our emotions
0: one thing that stands out about your images that I notice every single time you take one is that they're like they're whimsical almost like there's like a magic to them kind of don't take this wrong wait some of them are like kind of lord of the ringsy if you know what I mean with like the (laughs) veil what could that that be offensive to some people I don't don't, if they're not nerds maybe I don't
4: know no it's not offensive actually if my husband heard you say that right now he will be so excited <laughs> when I like he is obsessed with Lord of the Rings like he's obsessed like I bought him a map of Mordor for um Christmas <laughs> that's so amazing. if anything like it could be that like our relationship kind of leaks into my work so there that's kind of why Here I have like the doing- nature you know
0: well and that's the thing it's bringing in nature and some of it is almost religious looking you know i've seen you wearing i don't even i don't know what you used in your hair oh, like a little thing yeah but was that like all one piece or was it that was amazing yeah it was all one piece. like i uh
4: create a lot of like props and stuff mm-hmm. for my photos and stuff and i really uh do like to hone in on a lot of Religious imagery too, because I find that a lot of religious imagery is whitewashed also So just kind of trying to bring like a lot of humanity to that too and Mm -hmm. like allow black women to be seen in that type of image
0: And one other thing um, before I get into kind of some technical stuff to help somebody like me try to get uh, creative when it comes to self-portraiture So you had one post that I really loved and it really spoke to me as a mom who publicly breastfeeds everywhere without a cover You said there's a disconnect between motherhood and sexuality and there totally is and i find that we talk about this in so many of our podcasts with different experts and things but it's Mm -hmm. like we we just spoke to the woman who wrote what to expect when you're expecting and she talked about how the breast has two functions a sensual purpose and a practical one and i find that kind of dichotomy in so many of your pictures and I just want to know if that was super intentional every time you went in front of the camera or if that just kinda happens and that's your style.
4: I wanna say at the beginning, it kinda just happened, but then it became more of an intentional thing. By showing those type of pictures, I'm taking control of the narrative of my body.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, and like you said, the the body, especially the woman's breasts can be used for nurturing your children, but also it can be sexualized. And by taking control of how I present my breast, I'm deciding like how I want them to be seen like if i want them sexualized or really i just want them normalized i want Mm -hmm. them show that like i'm just trying to feed my child is it legal
1: over there to walk around topless if you're a woman
4: top oh um i'm not sure topless but it is legal to breastfeed right
1: because on in ontario where we are right now you're allowed if you're a woman just to walk around topless
4: yeah Yeah. I, i i don't think That would go down right in America.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've actually never seen a woman, uh, you know, doing that here. Aside
0: from like a beach or a park, maybe. Well, a
1: topless beach, yeah. Or a nude beach. I've seen it. Yeah. But no one just walking down the street with like their groceries or anything like that.
0: No, I've done Mm -hmm. it. I've done it at our cottage before and got weird looks from the neighbors. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. But um, no, and I I really think that those images speak to me so much. Mm -hmm. And I really love how you do that because it's... It's subtle, but but it's not. like The focus of every image is you and whatever it is you're wearing. Usually, it seems like just like bra and panties, things like that. And I think that I'm so inspired by that because that's who I am. And I'm so comfortable with just taking out my breast and feeding my baby, but also mm-hmm. being a sexual person. But I'm yeah. also a high school teacher. And then there's so much kind of shame with the body that comes with that that's at complete odds with motherhood. Because everything with motherhood, like, there's zero embarrassment. You're so willing to take everything out. And I appreciate when people try to normalize that and showcase that. So, yeah, definitely. Thank you well, for Well, some that. moms
1: are still embarrassed to breastfeed.
0: That, and that's the thing. And that's why I think images like Breeze are so so vital to mm-hmm. show the beauty of it, to normalize it, and show that it's not overt sexuality. Like, do you ever yes. get negative feedback for those kinds of images? Oh,
4: my gosh. Yes, definitely. And... To be honest, like, I get a lot of the negative feedback within my own circle. Oh, really? Um, like, especially, like, my family. Breastfeeding, I feel like, in the Black community, is kind of taboo. It's still something that a lot of Black women don't do loud and proud. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had my family members come up and tell me, like, you know, you're only supposed to breastfeed to six months, you know, and <laughs> yeah. uh, you're supposed to cover up. And, you know, once they start asking for it or grabbing for it, then it becomes sexual and perverted. And it's like, what is perverted about feeding my child? You know, and that's why I just like, I take these photos and I, I put it in your face because I force you to like, try to come to terms of why you might feel like it's uncomfortable yeah. or why you might put some perversion to it when really it's just normal.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you say when they come to you about those things? Because, like, artist or not, I th- this is something I think every woman struggles to deal with is when family members and close friends say something like that to them.
4: Yeah. So, earlier before I really started valuing myself and my opinions, mm-hmm. I would just kind of be like, oh, you know, well, you're right, or like, I'll go cover up or something like that. But now I'm just like, I mean, this is my body this is my child like I get to decide what I want to do with my body and how I want to feed my child yeah is that simple like breastfeeding is normal like and I just kind of leave it at that like I'm not gonna like shove it down your throat but I'm gonna like leave you with an uncomfortable feeling so you can go back and examine those yourself
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and actually that your father is here right now hanging out outside and I have been taking out my breasts in front of him to feed both babies
1: he you, seems cool with that
0: I know do you, do you think there's any weirdness there
1: no, my dad's pretty cool with that stuff.
0: <laughs> I'm glad. Because I, I only yeah. started thinking about this during this conversation.
1: But yeah, I, I think he's cool. I don't think my mom breastfed me at all. Mm. So he's probably very unsure of what the social norm is. But I think he's he's fairly with it in mm-hmm. the, the modern times. Yeah. But photos. I made yeah. what they call an insta-husband. Meaning, <laughs> if you look at her account, it's all pictures of her. And you might catch me in a reflection or something. But I struggle with... I take so many photos. Like, I might take a thousand bad photos to get one decent photo. What What's some good advice for a guy like me who's not the most artistic person in the world?
4: Um, well, I mean, what you said, like, I don't think it's anything wrong with taking a bunch of pictures mm-hmm. to get one good one because that's exactly what I do. Like, mm-hmm. I, uh, I call it spraying and praying. Like, <laughs> I mean, you take as many as you can and you're going to get like one good one in there. Yes. Um, especially when you're taking um, pictures of children. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, children don't sit down like they're their own beings, So they like, they run around and they do their own thing. So like, you gotta take a lot of photos in order to capture that one little moment.
1: Spray and pray, I like that. That's actually how I got Alex pregnant. I was just gonna <laughs> say. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: um, okay, when it comes to kids in photos, because yours always look, you know, like candidly, it's like a candid natural pose, but they look like they're engaged. With our daughter, we have to literally bribe her with so many Oreo cookies. That like, just she's, just one, she's gonna, well, yeah. But over the days and everything, and when we did the other photo shoot, the I other break day, the
1: cookie into four pieces. Though it's pretty effective and low sugar,
0: I think. <laughs> but what do you? What can you do other than bribe them? Like, do you have a trick um, for getting your kids uh, into well, it?
4: Well, I, I have done some bribery, but also I give them like little activities to mm-hmm. do while we're taking photos. Like you notice I really like to incorporate a lot of nature into my mm-hmm. images. Um, so I give them flowers let them um, um, play with the flowers with each other. I'm, I'll tell them to show the flowers to each other. Or like, I'll give them like, you know, tiny little toys that they can play where you really won't see them in their hands. And I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I do Oreos too.
2: <laughs> like, you can find
4: some photos, like you will see some photos on my Instagram with my kid holding an Oreo. <laughs> oh
2: yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> because it's that's genius, that's how, you know, you make it work. But also like, I don't put so much pressure on each photo shoot to mm. say. So I don't go in and say, like, we got to get this photo. Yeah. Like, if we don't do this, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's an organic process. Yeah. And, like, sometimes if I build a set and I'm really excited about it, like, it might take me a while to get the shot. Sometimes it'll take me a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I'm taking a lot of photos until I get that one where I feel like it really captures the emotion I was going for with that set. And what camera
1: so, do you use? Or are you just an iPhone user?
4: I'm using my iPhone okay. on a uh, on a tripod.
1: And no, and no attachment, no special attachments or anything on it?
4: Nope. Um, sometimes if I'm feeling like, you know, artsy, I might put a, like a prism yeah. in front of it. to kind of give like those reflections. Um, Where do you get a
1: prism from?
4: Just like offline. I want to say I might have gotten it from Amazon a few years ago. But you can also like use a lot of like reflective items in your household, like a CD like, you can um that's put cool the CD idea. on the side of your um iPhone and kind of get, like, that weird, like, ah, reflection. That's very cool.
0: See, I'm not creative. This is this amazing because <laughs> I'm not creative at all. When you look around your house, what kind of props are you looking to bring in your photo shoots? Like, how can people get creative with household objects that have, like, a beauty to them that you wouldn't normally see?
4: Well, I pretty much will say like anything that you feel like naturally drawn to like mm-hmm. I feel like you can amplify it so like coffee cups those are my favorite thing and like I'll add that as a prop because it's who I am yeah and like when you see me holding it you would be like oh like she loves coffee but then it's <laughs> like it's so many little things that you can add like I like to put like sheets like my bed sheets and stuff mm-hmm. as my backgrounds and I feel like that uh really kind of puts like a personal touch to it and just like pretty much like bringing, like, ordinary things and just kind of trying to make them seem whimsical. Mm-hmm. I'm
1: very scared of After Effects programs and little touch-up programs because I just find them very complicated. Do you use any of those? And if so, is there one that's easy for a person who's technically inept?
4: Yes. Yeah, so I do, like, a lot of editing to the shots, and I guess that's why they look so good. Wow, that's not <laughs>
2: <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um, Very cocky, very cocky. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I like to use a uh, Visco because it looks a lot like film, and that's usually like the style I'm going for. Uh, it really like has that nostalgic feel to them. Mm-hmm. They have like really amazing like pre-made filters that you can put on, and they really like kick up your photos to a notch.
0: What's your favorite pre-made filter? Zero 06. Zero 06. Yeah.
4: yeah, and it's like really contrasty. I love my blacks being like nice and moody, and then also I like to add a lot of grain. Mm -hmm. And um, a little bit of a fade to my images because it makes it like really like dreamy and just like really takes you back. And then also like if there's I'm kind of I'm a little of a perfectionist when it comes to background. So there's things that like stick out. I want to have it removed. So Mm -hmm. one app on your iPhone that you can download is called Retouch and it is a lifesaver so like if one of my kids accidentally put like a basketball in the back (laughs) of the uh, image like you can go to retouch and there's a little feature on there called quick repair and you just take your finger and you draw on the basketball and then it just disappears and it
1: will fill in the background that it should be there so like wow like
4: it it doesn't fill in the background but it helps you like remove objects and stuff or any type, type of clutter that you don't like or say like you woke up and like you had a pimple that you did not want to have for that photo. <laughs> like you can go in. You can
1: draw I want it. this pimple actually. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. Like, like I'm feeling this one, but not that one. But yeah, you can get rid of the pimples just by drawing on it. It's a uh, man retouch. That's amazing because
0: the app I use takes me so damn long. It's called Bazart. And it's like mm-hmm. for making collages and stuff. But that's what I use to erase like a person in the background or something like that. Yeah. So I need to get on retouch. Who takes your photos? Do you do self-timer or husband? So
4: I do self-timer. I want to say about maybe like 75 to 80% is self-timer. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, I have a remote. So you might Genius. see like sometimes in my hand, like I'll press the remote. Or if like it's a shot where I want to just be like holding, I'll press the remote for the self-timer. They go off like 10 seconds mm-hmm. and they kind of like it. <laughs> and then like do my pose you know and then i'll go back and get it and just it's it's a process where, but do, you,
0: where do you get a remote
4: amazon
1: <laughs> yeah amazon's the answer for everything pretty much these days
0: i guess so. I know it <laughs> is.
4: it makes me feel weird to say it but i mean it's the truth
2: yeah
4: um but yeah it came with my tripod and it's like a bluetooth little remote that you can set up on your iphone and wow like when i say it ups your game like any kind of struggle you're having like with the self portraits, like I promise like so many parts of it will be eliminated if you just get a tripod and a remote.
1: And do you find that's better than having the husband there doing a million clicks?
4: Yes, because uh, my my poor husband, he is a, <laughs> you know, he's an insta husband and he has been <laughs> through the ropes. I've been doing this for a long time. So like in the beginning, I just like to have a lot of shots of me and my uh, daughters like out in public and stuff. So I'm like, take my photo, do this. So he just kind of, has been going through a lot. So I've tried to do it in a way so I could take it back from him and kind of take that burden off of him. Mm-hmm. And like making it into something I do myself makes it a lot more personal and yeah. Nice.
0: So what kind of lighting do you try to aim for? Cause this is something as like an amateur photographer and something that like even Shane does right now, he turned on our big fluorescent light in here. So now I'm getting crazy contrast on my forehead. And it's just not so flattering. So like, what kind of lighting should we aim Um, for when taking photos at home?
4: Yeah, so I love natural light. I have two lighting situations that are my go-to. My first one is just the nice natural soft light. Mm -hmm. And to get that, I turn off all the lights in the room and I go right in front of the window. Like, I mean, you'd be amazed like how fly your face looks if you just stand in front of a window um and it just eliminate all the shadows and just like a nice soft thing so just get to a window Yeah, i so did good. that the
1: other day by accident and i was like i'm a beautiful man
4: you took a selfie well, yourself?
1: no i was on um i was doing uh what's it what's zoom yeah and then I, my eyes looked like they were like a million beautiful shades of blue like it was incredible and then i got out of there and just looked in the mirror i was like <laughs> so yeah well, see,
0: i got these like a new mom bags under here oh, and yeah. they're so dark so i need to help makeup doesn't do anything but you look good
1: on that screen there oh, I don't it's know. just I here don't... <laughs> you look a little <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah but um just turn off those
4: uh, fluorescent lights like natural light is always the way to go mm-hmm. it'll make you look like radiant and then of course like if you're feeling like a little dramatic and a little moody
1: she always is
4: oh yeah (laughs) that's like my um second favorite lighting situation is like kind of like a spotlight Mm -hmm. i'll admit like the light in my house is just like phenomenal (laughs) so like the sun will like set (laughs) <laughs> in my kitchen, and I'll get like this big, beautiful like patch of light, like on my kitchen wall, and like I'll go in there and set up my tripod, set up a background, and just like put my face smack dab in like the middle of the spotlight, and you mm-hmm. get kind of like that Rembrandt kind of effect, and it really like pulls you back to like that Baroque style of art, you know. So see if my I can get the too.
0: Rembrandt effect. Yeah, now, that's something you can't. That house
1: sounds like a keeper.
0: Yeah, you can't get that in the filter though, so that's pretty amazing. You definitely have to do it with the lights. Usually you want to point, like, a
4: very strong spotlight on the side of your face, and then you have, like, a dark side and a light side, and then, you know, we're Hold
0: What's, What are you using for a spotlight?
4: Oh, oh, well, natural light is what okay. I, I meant.
0: Okay, yeah. okay. That's amazing. Um, so I,
4: yeah, I just prefer to use natural. I don't uh, really do too much of the artificial light, mm-hmm. but, I mean, if I'm feeling, like, really creative or something like that, then I just pull up a lamp. Yeah. Like, that. Yeah, just a simple lamp and, um, you know, put it on the side of her face or, uh, like, from the top angle just to give me that dramatic spotlight.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. See, I love this because using natural light and using the things around your house and you use a lot of plants, things like that, these are things that moms can just do if they're stuck at home in COVID and want to take pictures like me of their new baby or of their pregnancy, whatever. So I find these tips so helpful because, like, I don't have a – what do you call them? A ring light. I doubt the regular mom... We can mom, get one on
1: Amazon. We could. Uh-huh. <laughs> we
0: should, I, I know we probably should. But the regular mom's not going to have a ring light sitting in her closet, right? Exactly. So tips like that are so crucial. Um, is there anything else that you would be able to give like a little insider photography knowledge to moms at home who just want to document things during quarantine?
4: I'd say just document everything you know I feel like especially in this day and age a lot of moms are striving for perfection mm-hmm. and they only want to show like their kids looking their best and the cutest clothes and you know the house is all clean and stuff. I say just like document everything like it's amazing like the little things you can find um and the little sweet moments you can find it just like a small picture you took mm-hmm. of your child just kind of like hanging out and on dirty floor with a bunch of uh toys and, and you can um, always delete
1: like, the mess on one of those <laughs> apps anyway
4: <always laughs> and like no matter what i feel like just get in front of the camera with your little one mm-hmm. like even when you're feeling like you look like a hot mess and it's not your day like it goes by so fast like you're gonna want to have those moments with you and your um, little one even if you're not looking like cool you want to just be able to capture it all because like you're gonna wake up and be like oh no like I wish I had this photo <laughs> absolutely well
1: speaking of which see since we have the similar uh, photography style which we take a bunch I'm assuming your iPhone gets filled up and then it's always like you need to delete how do you store your photos so you don't just lose them? Because I, I have photos of my daughter from like two years ago, and I'm struggling to find where they are, and I'm wondering if you have an easy way to access old photos.
4: Um, not really easy. I mean, <laughs> I just put everything in the iCloud, so mm-hmm. like I have it automatically backed up. So since I, I mean, I, gosh, I must have like 60,000 photos on my phone. <laughs> they all automatically go into the cloud, so they all just stay there, and I feel like safe knowing that they're backed up there. Right. Um, but there's like no easy way to go through them yeah. sometimes, um, like if I'm feeling overwhelmed with a shoot that I took and I'm like, Wait too many, like I'll go ahead and just delete them all mm-hmm. all um that I don't like
0: do you do you have a favorite way to print images, or do you print images? I don't print them as
4: often as I wish mm-hmm. um I could i do like to use this little website called mpix where you can just do like really cheap four by six prints mm-hmm. and you can make albums you can make canvases and stuff and i like to send those to the moms for nice. christmas and get little prints for them so that's what i like to use but i
0: i don't print them as much as i should that's our big problem and i have one more really important question before we do end how and maybe you don't even do this but do you ever try to get your husband in shoots? And if so, how do you bribe him? I, man, I just, I I used my husband too much back in the day. So, like, before
4: had <laughs> kids, like, he was my subject. So, like, I would force him to get in so many photo shoots with me. And then it got to the point where he was like, you only get one official photo shoot a year, you know? So, I was like, Ooh. okay, it's our anniversary session. And I'll go all out and hire, like, a really awesome photographer to, like, make us feel good. But now these days, like, I mean... It is bribery. So um, <laughs> I like feel like I really, really want you in this photo. And so I'd, um, I'd be like, hey, like I'll play a game of 40K with you tonight. Um, Wait, what is that? I was gonna ask. Uh, 40K? Is Sounds like expensive. A, um,
2: <laughs> it is expensive
4: (laughs) um so it's like these little like miniatures that he likes to paint and then you can play like a really cool like army game with them and stuff so i'll you know i'll trade him a game so basically we'll trade a hobby for a hobby
1: (laughs) that's Um, the weirdest thing (laughs) i was not expecting you to say that is your husband michelle gondry (laughs) wow oh okay and what do you do if you have a really bad smile like i don't know how to pose in a photo because my face is like she's nodding because she always has to do head replacement on me anytime I'm in a photo so we'll take like 50 of her and a thousand of me and then she'll find the one photo I look decent in and take my head off like 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 look like
4: yeah, I, well, I don't know I'm, how to smile well I mean you gotta like force candid moments basically okay. so I mean I don't know if you're ticklish but like I am you need to keep tickling them. <laughs> to okay. get them to laugh That's naturally. That's a good idea. Or like, you know, crack some jokes or I don't know if you like to sing. I'm a pretty horrible singer, but sing. like if I really need to crack a smile, like I will put on my voice, you know, and then my husband's like, what? <laughs> But still kind of laugh and stuff. You get like a little natural, like,
0: I don't know, but you get something in there.
1: I like that. Okay. That's
0: amazing. So Bree, we just want to thank you so, so much for joining us today. This was a real pleasure. And if people want to go and check you out check out your amazing photography where can they do that
4: yeah so all my creative work you can just go to moon and cheese with a z on instagram um and then for my like official professional work you can go to brie mcdaniel photography.com and Mm. see a lot of love and beautiful couples amazing and
1: if you're not southern are you allowed to say y'all or is that weird
4: I mean, you can say it, but it's a little strange. Cause okay. then someone's going to be like, oh, my God, are you Southern? You know, it's kind of like our, our calling card or whatever, you know. It's, it's like, the
1: friendliest thing you can say, I think. It is. Yeah.
0: It's inclusive. We it, were from Southern Ontario.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think we can pull it off. <laughs> All right. No further questions. Thank you so much for being on our show. Oh, Everyone yeah. go check out that website. 100%. And anything else from you, Alex?
0: No, Bree's photography is killer. It's amazing. It's beautiful. You'll love it. Bree, ah. thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much, y'all. Have a good rest of the day. All Thanks right. So you, you too. too eh? Bye-bye. That was Bree. And that is the second time we've had a photographer on the show. And every single time I just like hearing from these creative people and how they do things, what they recommend, what kind of light they use, how they do their props. Cause you just learn so much from them every time. And I am so not creative. Like I suck with creativity. And that's not true. Well, it's never been my strong suit. And I find that I have to work so hard at it for ideas. And somebody like Brie, who it comes to so effortlessly, it just, it fascinates me, honestly.
1: But you really, uh, you do have a ton of ideas. I remember when I first met you, I was like, whoa. This woman has a ton of wild ideas.
0: Well, wild ideas, but then...
1: Every time we met, you'd have a new scheme to do.
0: Well, I still think some of those schemes would work.
1: One of her schemes that she wanted to do...
0: He's going to say the one that I think is a million dollar scheme.
1: Have sex on a large canvas and sell it to rich people.
0: So, paint splattered on a canvas. Have sex on it. Big canvas. Really big, bold piece of art. Sell it. Name it something passionate. Rich people are gonna love the idea that two random, like poor people, had sex on this canvas and it's now in their living room.
1: I don't see how it would go wrong. You're right. Hearing it out loud, you saying it sounds better. <laughs> but let's go on to the question and answer period.
0: Let's go on to the question. So Shane, how
1: this works is people provide us with questions and we do the answers. In case that wasn't obvious,
0: Shane. When's the last time you had a sip of that delicious drink?
1: Who wants to know? Me. Oh. First question... I can't can't
0: stop drinking mine. No, I've been
1: drinking it a ton. It's amazing.
0: I know. Like, I I can't stop.
1: Like, is this even... Like, oh my God. is this is so good? This is the best drink ever.
0: I know. I know. I I keep taking sips of mine. And when I get a bit of that, the coconut fat or whatever, it's like so good.
1: Yeah. Seriously amazing. Good job.
0: Okay. So we got a bunch of questions. Number one. Oh, yeah. Does it get weird or annoying having an in-law live with you? No. So... I'm going to speak in the case of Nona, who Shane's stepmom, who's been here for the last two weeks. She's gone now, sadly. But it felt so good with her in the house. And every night, Shane and I would go upstairs to bed. And we just kind of talk about the day and we'd say, doesn't it feel good to have our whole house being used? And (laughs) like, the house just feels so much more loving.
1: And everyone in my family, and my, like, you know, I consider your parents obviously Mm -hmm. my parents and my family. I feel like is so not annoying. Yeah, especially the members not in my bloodstream. So like, <laughs> <laughs> like I love my mom. I love of my course, I love of my course, dad. Of course, but you know we have more foibles than probably your average people. And like I, I see a lot of myself in my dad, and I'm similar. And mm-hmm. I'm an annoying person. So <laughs> Roseanne, who is one staying with us, who's my stepmom, and Lucy and yeah. Betty's Nona, she's the most like lovely person in the world, which is why last week when you called me out for being snippy, I don't think I've ever, I've known Nona since I was six, and I don't think I've ever raised my voice or had an argument with her. You
0: haven't, but I will say that Nona did tell me the next night. Bullshit. That she agreed with me.
1: Bullshit. Okay, you have to get into the psychology of Nona here. (laughs) Nona's goal in life is to make everyone happy and feel good. So well, she
0: made me feel good by agreeing with she, me the next if, night. If I
1: was alone with her, she would have been like, "Oh, what
0: Alex did." You know,
1: <laughs> I just think that was unfair. You know, and then to you, she'd be like, "Oh, Shane can get a little." You know, she's just like that.
0: Well, hey, I'm not faulting her for it because I love it and it makes me feel warm inside.
1: I know, that's, known as great at that. So, yeah, I think any other family, I've had obviously other girlfriends and mm-hmm. their parents have just been, you know, some have been great, but some have been a little bit like, wouldn't want to be around this person for more than two hours straight.
0: Yeah, and now we're about to go spend an extended period of time with my family.
1: Yeah, and, and your parents, you know, are obviously amazing, but I could live with your parents forever and I could live with Roseanne forever.
0: Yeah, same, same. And, yeah, it, it honestly... I think that living with any adult that isn't the person that you got married to or choose to live with, it, there's going to be a bit of an adjustment period. But for us, it was like no adjustment and it was just honestly, like so it was lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just got to, you got to choose your helpers wisely, I think. Next question. By the way, I just got confirmation that Blake Lively definitely did name her kid Betty because really? before it was just That's probable. That's actually a
1: better topic now. I yeah. like that.
0: So is it worth the craziness to have two kids? I'll answer my stance first is short. I say yes, because this is short-lived and like the postpartum section is short-lived. Do you agree, Betty? And uh, I just think that the benefits that come from it are worth the stress. And that's kind of what you signed up for. You kind of sign up for this fun chaos.
1: Yeah, for me, th- the whole life experience that I wanted to live was two kids get married. Let's try it try it all any more would be too much any less would be too little for me
0: yeah for me too uh,
1: so yeah I can only answer from my perspective but yeah it's worth it uh, I find all these little annoying tasks not that difficult obviously they can add up and make you lose sleep and make you lose your mind but like you said that's all temporary and when you're 80 you're really gonna love having those yeah. kids to just chat with and be around and make Christmas fun and have grandkids and you know, and that's that's what I was saying. I love having two girls for that reason too, because I like that girls tend to uh, get with older men. Men, because older men. I'm sorry, I'm saying this <laughs> wrong. Sorry, you breastfeed. Not that girls love to get with older men. That girls tend to have children younger than boys. So then right, I get right, more right. time with our grandchildren. Does that sound bad? Does that sound sexist?
0: Yeah, I don't want to sound sexist. Well, it, it could, because then you're you're also dictating. Their future, but here's the thing while Shane is saying that, that is, of course, a very typical way to look at things, and I think it would be hard not to, you know, picture a a life like that as a parent. However, were Betty or Lucy to choose any other path in life, we wouldn't care, we wouldn't lament you know, the life that we kind of pictured just because of how we were raised.
1: I might lament a little bit if I didn't have grandkids.
0: Yeah, but there's so many different ways you can have grandkids.
1: Can you adopt grandkids?
0: Of course. Oh, you wait. Can? No, I thought you meant like, can they adopt kids? Then they'd be our grandkids.
1: Okay. Yeah. Sorry if I offended anyone. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying anymore.
0: It's all good. Next, Shane, did you get freaked out overseeing the live birth?
1: No. Uh, actually, Recently, yes. <laughs> uh, I wasn't in the moment. I was so caught up in the adrenaline, and then you and I watched th- this last night, this birth, and it was kind of like, whoa! Like
0: we watched it on, like yeah, we watched the recording. Just because it.
1: it was, I was always focusing on the baby, but this time I was. I said, oh, I'll just focus on the vagina. And that looked weird.
0: <laughs> it was crazy. It was so crazy. And here's the thing: I didn't forget how it looked because I was watching myself birth Betty. <laughs> And that image was of what my body was doing at that moment was burned into my mind. So I knew what this video was going to hold. And uh, it's, it's insane. It's an insane thing to see. All right, first trimester. Why does it suck so much and does it get better? It sucks so much because that's just everything that's happening in your body, whether it's ligament stretching, whether it's morning sickness, uh, whether it's you just getting accustomed to the baby and you're exhausted but it does get better typically between 12 and 16 weeks unless of course you're somebody like amy schumer who has hyperemesis gravidarum and uh you might unfortunately be stuck with sickness all pregnancy but that's a very small percentage of women that get that yeah yeah and you can always take meds i took meds and it helped
1: and i know it's like so like this soon shall pass and all that's so cliche but it's so true it is like you know you get the best thing at the end
0: Look, I've already had a fleeting thought in my head about, oh, I wonder if I could get pregnant one more time. It wasn't that bad. Yet, I complained every single day in my pregnancy. Yeah. Uh, but you do truly forget it. Next, toddler screaming, crying if baby cries. SOS, how's Lucy handling the crying? What Is does
1: SOS stand for again?
0: Save our souls, right? Is it? I don't know. I think save our souls.
1: I know what it means. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Lucy doesn't comment on anytime Betty's... Crying, Lucy just kind of looks at her like, "What the hell did Mom and Dad bring home?" And she, no, gets... she'll
1: say uh, sometimes she'll be like, "Betty's crying."
0: Mm-hmm. But if, if Betty's crying really loud, Lucy just kind of looks at her like,
1: "She's told me to put her away hell? a couple times."
0: Yeah, yeah. So she doesn't cry. Lucy doesn't cry or tantrum when that happens, but she definitely is not a fan. I'm hoping she mm-hmm. gets used to it. The next question. Good question too. How can we support your podcast if we don't have iTunes to give it a like? So here's the thing unfortunately and i was looking this up the other day itunes is the one huge way to help grow a podcast but if there is an option to like or subscribe on however you get your podcasts please do that and i think the best way to support would just be tell your friends
1: tell a friend just listening to it
0: listen to it really that's
1: all i ask if you want to really go above and beyond find a sneaky way to like or subscribe But, yeah, just that you're here, I really like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think there's a stigma attached to only having one child?
1: Um, I think only children get a bad rap for being selfish and spoiled.
0: What about, about, uh, like, for the couples? Do you think there's a stigma attached to parents who choose only to have one child?
1: I don't feel like there is a, that big a stigma for the parents who decide that. I just think anytime someone finds out that someone only has one, it's like, oh, when's the next?
0: Yeah. And th- there's
1: a presumption there, but I don't think they're like, only one? Mm-hmm. Ooh.
0: Yeah. That, actually, that's a really good distinction because I do think there's a presumption, but not necessarily a negative attached to but
1: it. But with the kid, like, let's say you were being how you were with me last week <laughs> and I just met you. I'd be like, are you an only child? <laughs> And you'd be like, yeah, I'd be like that explains a lot. Right. So I think for the child, there is a little bit of a like, oh fuck. Now if I'm a little, if I'm having a moment or a mood, people are gonna be like, he's an only child, or if yeah. you're self, but you know, selfish people are have lots of siblings because they've had to. Like, like I, have a, I have a friend who has five brothers and. You know, anytime he does something that's selfish, I'm like, oh, it's because he's always had to scavenge and hide everything away. So Sounds you can kind heat. you can justify anything, but ultimately, who cares? Yeah. We're really like, especially in quarantine, I'm like, no one opinion <laughs> matters, but yours. Yeah, because I'm not really seeing anybody, and I'm in the home more than I'm anywhere else. And opinions, just honestly, live your life, do yeah. what you want. I would not want to have three kids because I felt peer pressure because everyone was doing it. Mm-hmm. I wanted two, and if I wanted one, we'd have one. I hope I'd be able to convince yeah. you that one.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's a stigma on the parents, like Shane said, just echo that. But I do. Think Even if there is, fuck stigmas. Yeah. Yep. I have a get stigma with
1: stigmas. Sorry, I'm, I'm no, I like hot that. I get
0: hot and bothered. I don't mind. How many more do you think we should do? Two more. Two more. How has your relationship changed since becoming parents?
1: Eh, better. We're. More family, we're less party y which
0: always I think Your cocaine takes away. habits
1: gone down <laughs> what? Two, three lines a day tops now.
0: Get out of here. I've never done cocaine. And that's for the record. Write it down. But yeah, no, I just think that becoming parents it does it's forced me to not grow up but to realize who I am better and be more true to myself. I think that when I was younger and more party, I wasn't always being true to myself in the sense that, you know, I'd do things for kicks and for other people or I'd try to make Shane jealous or something like that. And that that's all very not who I am. So I, I really think that I came into myself in motherhood and I think that, that benefits everybody. And I think mm-hmm. I'm just speaking for him, but from my observations, it seems like Shane has to, like, he really, you really do, mm-hmm. Instagram post aside, flourish as a dad, so.
1: Mm, yeah, I think about other people a lot more than I used to, and especially I think about women having daughters way more, and body issues, stuff like that, it's way more important to me.
0: Yeah, and then I think all of that empathy that you get, you just, you know, you have way more for each other in the relationship. But that's at least what we've experienced. And just being
1: older, I realized that life's more precious, right? When you're yeah. young, it's like, man, eh, let's get fucked up. And now it's like, <laughs> man, I was really fucked up. Like, yeah, I'm cool. embarrassed what, for myself. What
0: were we watching the other night? And we were watching something. And Shane and I looked at each other. We're like, do you ever just think <sighs> about, you know, your college days or whatever and just get embarrassed oh, for yourself? Oh, it was the situations? show I May Destroy You. Yes.
1: And it's just that my... T- I, like, people love their 20s. And I guess it's good for some kicks, but... 30s for me is like the sweet spot.
0: I'm loving my 30s so far. I'm yeah. 31. I'm really loving and
1: it. And 40s, I'm not that scared of.
0: I'm not scared. I'm not scared of anything going up. To be yeah. honest. 50s, you're cool with? Oh yeah, I don't care about 50s. Okay. 50s is new 40.
1: I was going to bring up a suicide pact, but now I'm <laughs> okay, kidding. Okay, go.
0: <laughs> okay, last question. Would you and Shane ever consider donating Shane's super sperm? It would have to be for an what's the word? Money? A, 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 large an, sum? A board What's the?
1: Large cum? No. <laughs> Sorry, go, go.
0: It's not subordinate. Uh,
1: a person who needs it?
0: No. The, the a money donor? that means, a, the word that means a large sum or a lot which
1: Donation? has like
0: ordinate in it.
1: An inordinate amount of money? An
0: inordinate amount of money. And uh, yeah, I do it for an insane amount of money. or <laughs> Or for somebody whose plight really got to me. If
1: they're polite? please oh here They're you go polite. yeah i'll uh i'll give it to anybody who wants it <laughs> but if you if it makes you mad i won't
0: uh or who wouldn't. is that who's asking for it recently oh yeah the girls someone from, wanted uh... <laughs> it no as a joke oh but um which
1: can you tell me which friend
0: yeah remember uh the well the girls from uh Wild podcast uh were making oh. comments about how quick my birth was with betty and I was like, "Hey, you know." They
1: DM'd me, by the way. Get out of here. Okay. <laughs> On that note, but
0: I just want to say that if you do enjoy listening to this podcast as much as we enjoy recording it for you, please go subscribe, like, leave a comment, tell a friend. We appreciate every single one.
1: I don't think that ever works, but
0: no, worth a try.
1: Okay, thank you so much for listening to this, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast,
0: Episode Forty
1: Eight. home.